Hello, Internet. Welcome back to the Fosterable Lounge. You listen to episode 49? Jesus. Uh, say hi, Seth. Hi, everyone. Okay. Well, the, the one time I decide not to tell you to say hi, everyone, is the time you, you say hi to everyone. You know what? It's fine. Um, 49. Holy cow. We are one away from, from the old the old half century. The old the old 50. Yeah, and three the away old, from uh, a solid year. Diamond, Diamond Jubilee, uh, whatever, whatever that one is. Yeah, and three away from me. Yeah, that's that's actually kind of crazy. Um, uh, as I may have already uh, given away, Josh and Steve are not here. Uh, Would you like to, to tell us something new? Seth and Pat Power Hour. Uh, what is new? That's a good question. Um, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> moving, oh, wait, we're just going to jump right into that, huh? <laughs> Um, sorry, I just, uh, speaking of, speaking of things that we, that we wish would go back to the way they were, uh, this podcast and Twitter. Um, how have you been, Seth? Yeah, I've been fine. Been, uh, been a pretty good week. How, how have you been, Patrick? I'm looking forward to going home on Saturday where I no longer have to speak on this microphone, much to the enjoyment of our lovely listeners, I'm sure. Um, I will, of course, be going home with my sweet, sweet new PlayStation 5, which I have not been able to touch since picking it up this week, because I have nothing to play it on down here. And by down here, I mean Wellington, which is south of where I live in Auckland. And that's all the geographic you'll get, uh, all the geographic <laughs> info you'll get. Good luck trying to dox me with that. Yeah, um, I think I just give the vague Sydney, which is, <laughs> Sydney is such a big area to cover. See, that that's not even fair, right? Because if you say Sydney, that's... Like, that's the side of New find, Zealand. Exactly. Someone trying to find you in Sydney is someone trying to find me in New Zealand. So I've already made their job so much more interesting. Could you at least give a suburb? <laughs> Let's make it fair. Okay, a suburb is about the size of like one half of New Zealand. I guess I could do that. <laughs> Note to everyone: I will not be doing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think there is. Well, I guess obligatory check. How's your tech been? Is it broken? I assume not. No, I usually have pretty good tech. I think the only time my tech ever broke was when the first of these uh, flip phones came out and actually broke when they weren't supposed to. The replacement has been doing very good. And that was when we scored our our first uh, possibly fake Krispy Kreme sponsorship, which uh, is also coming up on a year. That's that's crazy. Yeah, I know, right? I can't believe they haven't been paying us for a year now. <laughs> Yeah, so true, so true. So, album of the week, uh, it's an interesting one. Uh, so, th- it's it's listed as Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Um, unfortunately, because it's Josh's album of the week, I think we both know what the issue is with trying to do the album of the week this week. Uh, why do you think that is, Seth? Um, th- there's no Steven to chime in? Close. It's actually because Midnight's by Taylor Swift is actually too recent for Fast Travel Lounge, given that most of our weeks, when it's back to the usual suspects and, and the, the OG format... Um, everything that we talk about having done this week is stuff that came out about two years ago. So roughly two years or a hundred and something episodes from now, uh, you can look forward to us reviewing uh, Midnight's by Taylor Swift. I feel like that joke was much funnier in my head, but <laughs> album actually kind of, well, album's okay. Um, couple good songs on there. Uh, I'm not probably going to review it, but uh, I haven't heard it because accounts, the, the idea of doing Midnight's just dropped on me right before recording. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whose whose fault would that be? Uh, so, um, people out there are probably probably wondering, um, Patrick, you've been stalling for all of uh, four minutes. Uh, what what is the what is the plan for today? You have no shiny pink Pokemon left to to uh, 
Hold, hold to on, put Patrick. Into a tier hold list. on one what? second. I just need to put your ass on blast for one moment. We, we have, <laughs> oh shit. We unfortunately have to give Josh some juice. Um, that that one album that we both absolutely hated came out this year. The uh, the slut pop one. Uh huh. <laughs> so so he's <laughs> he's he's moved from like a two year window to cover Taylor Swift to like a six month one now. Oh, I see. Okay, right. Was really trying to work out, other than giving me PTSD, why you would bring up uh, that that album. Kim Petras, was it? Yes, it was. I'm surprised yeah. you remember the name. If if there is anything that will get me to fight for gay rights, it's specifically so they can keep that music. That's uh, <laughs> uh, not like a it's not like gay thing. It's just because that's what Josh referred to it as in terms of gay club music, and I can see it. Having never been into a gay club, I I can imagine it. And the imagination is as far as it goes, and unfortunately, I've heard the EP, and I'm scarred for life because of it. So, back to what I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted, what are we doing this week? Um, we decided that, given it is the year of our Lord, 2022, that, uh, and it's also episode 49, it kind of lines up really well, that if you, so hear me out, stick with me here, Seth, uh, if, you, if you take 49, right, you got your 49 in your head? Yes. What if you were to just subtract 29 from that real quick? That that makes a twenty. Am I correct? Yeah, you you are correct, and and it's crazy that that makes a twenty because uh, something else turned twenty recently. Um, Was it don't me? get weird. It, it's 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 not a person. No, don't make this weird. Uh, Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank turned twenty recently. Woohoo! Uh, clap claps for Ratchet and Clank. Well done, guys. Uh, you can almost drink, and based on what Sony's done to your series at various points over your lifetime, I'm surprised you haven't started drinking already. Or maybe you have, and, you, and you're looking for something stronger. Uh, so All those innuendos be... make me think that they were already drinking from the get-go. <laughs> One of those like fetal alcohol syndrome type situations. <laughs> really sad. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking that it might be fun if we just do a, a bit of a... I, I don't really know. The deep dive, perhaps uh, a little, uh, little, little bit of a, a meander through through the old the old memory banks on uh, the the goods and bads, the ups and downs that we've had with our memories of Ratchet and Clank. Or the absolute uh, I, blind spots like Ratchet and Clank going mobile. Never heard of it. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Ratchet and Clank uh, initially released November fourth. Plus or minus a couple of days, uh, 2022. Um, I yeah, I just think it would be interesting. No strict formatting for this uh, to see where a conversation for an hour about our favorite Lombax winds up. So first of all, Seth, uh, <laughs> question. I was going to say question to the co-host, and I realize it's just you. So this will this will make the questions to the co-host kind of targeted. Uh, what's the last Ratchet and Clank game you played? The last one I played, Rift Apart. So the most yeah, recent okay. one. Yeah, so I, I, I figured that'd be the case. I, I even um, reviewed mine, it on the podcast at one point. Yeah, you did. And, and I have uh, Rift Apart sitting next to the PS5 in, in its box uh, in, in the corner of the room in which I'm recording this. So Highly uh, soon... recommend that is the second game you play on the PS5. The first one being Astro's Playroom. <laughs> okay, I... I, for a sec, because I told you that I that I got the Ragnarok bundle for PS5, I wasn't sure if you were going to suggest Astro's Playland and Ragnarok, and I'm really glad you suggested the correct choice for the first one to play. <laughs> it, it, it was really it, close. It will take you a couple of hours. Um, the the installation time of Ratchet and Clank isn't that long, but it's worth it while it's installing. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm 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 super excited. Uh, 
<laughs> I was just about to say I'm super excited to have a gaming console again, and I'm and I say that <laughs> while making eye contact with my Nintendo Switch. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Which you've been I... playing that on mute ever since you got it. <laughs> it's true, actually. Uh, can you really um, call it uh, playing at that point? Uh, well. Oh, man, I I really thought there'd be some really sick uh like she she's always playing type joke that I I tried to make couldn't make it. Um, I did get Monster Hunter Stories two on sale and played the first. I say played the first ten minutes. Now that's that's something we can talk about playing or or not playing. Uh, I watched the first ten minutes of Monster <laughs> Hunter Stories two. Uh, really excited to actually move the character, which I did for all of thirty seconds to go to a save point and then quit. Ah, <laughs> uh, the, the uh, persona problem. Mm, except, mm, but, except, uh, six times as uh, short. So, okay, well, that see, seek help, but um, <laughs> uh, that I I know I know I just prefaced that we'd be talking about Ratchet and Clank, but I just have to hit this real quick. Um, do you know how strange it is to play a Nintendo game? Or, well, Capcom, Nintendo. I, I consider it a Nintendo game. Uh, Monster Hunter Stories Two, and. It looks and feels like Pokemon Legends Arceus, but for there to actually be voice acting, mind blowing. Yeah, um, God, there was a game I was playing recently that was like very, very small scale, and it still had voice acting. And I was like, Nintendo, please, it's not that hard <laughs> to put it into Pokemon. It it helped if I remembered what game it was, but it's literally every game besides Pokemon at this point. You don't have to look <laughs> far. It's true, it's true. Uh, Bayonetta 3, of course, featuring uh, great voice acting. Now we're not going to get into that. Um, right, so, uh, the most recent Ratchet game that I've played was probably Ratchet & Clank 3 as part of the Ratchet & Clank trilogy, which I played on PlayStation Vita, and I think Triple oh, Platinum. God! I'm pretty sure I'll, I Triple Platinum that. I'll ask in more detail when we actually get to that point, but Jesus Christ, that sounds horrid. What do, what do you mean? I it was it was fine. I I I thought the uh, beta ports were supposed to be bad for those. I mean, you know, it came out Ratchet and Clank three came out sort of circa two thousand and five ish, and PlayStation Vita did the port justice. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, like obviously it's not it's not going to be like it didn't knock me flat with the graphical detail or anything, but no, the game's I mean, like, played frame fine. Rate, uh, yeah, frame rate-wise, I thought it was supposed to be bad. I know I know oh. the Jack and Daxa collection got hit the hardest of them, but I thought the Ratchet one was also supposed to be pretty bad on Vita. Interesting. It, it might have had a couple issues, but nothing... Maybe the, maybe the nostalgia glasses just kind of compensated for the frame rate a bit uh, for my eyes, but no, it, it wasn't awful. I mean, I'm saying that having played that, what was probably... I want to say two years ago, but two years ago was 2020, which to me still kind of feels like six months ago. So it could have been that I actually played this trilogy about four years ago, and I have no <laughs> way of knowing which is true. But uh, yeah, that would have been the last thing that I played, and I am fairly certain that I platinumed it. Um, anyway, I yeah, looking forward to playing Rift Apart. Uh, let's just quickly run through the, the list of games. So we have the original trilogy, Ratchet & Clank 1, 2, uh, Locked and Loaded, or to the... To the, the um, the Americans uh, who have the, the I, I sadly have to admit the better name. Going Commando. Yeah. I think between the two, Going Commando probably is the the better, the the the, the edgier, the spicier name. Uh, and then Ratchet and Clank three, uh, up your arsenal, <laughs> ten out of ten. Um, then we have 
uh, Ratchet Gladiator, which everyone told me was the best one. I haven't played this one, also known as Ratchet Deadlocked. Uh, you I this wouldn't one? say that, but it's pretty high up there. Because uh, Clank... Yeah, it, it kind of breaks the Ratchet and Clank part, right? Because it's even called Ratchet. Uh, yeah, because Ratchet Clank Gladiator. didn't play part, uh, play any part in the actual gameplay of that. It was purely Ratchet focused, and Clank was just in it for the story. Uh, and then we had the Future Saga, uh, PlayStation Three era, Tools of Destruction, uh, Quest for Booty, and then A Crack in Time. Uh, any any of those? And there was you, also you Nexus. Three? There was also Into the Nexus for that. I was going to get to that. Thank you. Oh, uh, the, well. the, 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 the the trilogy of four... I mean, they call it the Future Saga rather than the Future Trilogy, so I guess that's why they can call it Into the Nexus. But uh, yeah, the uh, of, of those four, you, you've, played all, you've played all four? Yeah, I've played all four of those ones. So I don't have any blind spots in here like I do the PS4 games. Uh, the PS2 games, I mean. Yeah, okay, cool. I was going to say... P- PS4 games. I, I was going uh, to say the four <laughs> PS2 games, and then I mix the two together. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And then we have other games. Size Matters, which uh, was PlayStation Portable, and then uh, ported, well, then playable again on PlayStation Vita. I yeah, the two definitely... PSP games, Size Matters and Secret Agent Clank. Yeah, definitely played both. I remember very little of both. I played uh, the demo of Size Matters, and that's it. I didn't touch Secret Agent Clank ever. Uh, yeah. And then All for One, which I played briefly because it was my brother's game. That was the, like, co-op drop-in-and-out one. Yep, I, uh, I actually played all the way through that one with uh, my three brothers. It, oh, it was yeah. perfectly made for my family. <laughs> uh, Full Frontal Assault, uh, which sounds like the sequel to Going Commando, but uh, is also a side game. Uh, also known as Q-Force, uh, outside of North America, which... I, I got, uh, I don't, weirdly, I actually don't know if I ever, pl- I think I played like an hour or two. Yeah, it was one of those... I'm about the same. I think I did like the tutorial and that was it. Yeah, because it was one of those, if you buy it on, um, uh, what, PS3? Yeah, it would have been PS3, PS3 era. Um, if you buy it on PS3, then it comes uh, for free on Vita. All right, yeah, those deals, my, um, they they were very short lived. Um, PlayStation All Stars also had that. I have yeah, a funny exactly. story about yeah. that one, which I'll get into later, I guess. Oh, oh, good. Um, and then uh, Ratchet and Clank. Uh, <laughs> I really wanted to call it Ratchet and Clank 2018 after God of War. <laughs> um, Ratchet and Clank, the game based on the movie, based on the game. God, what a bad game. It's actually what, fine. Like, the, but like the, 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 the source material or, or the game based on the movie based on the game? The game based on the movie based on the game. It, it's fine, but it's so cookie cutter compared to the original. Right, because, I mean, everyone knows that the, the game, that the movie and then the game was, was based, like, like the, the original game and then the movie that was based on that game and then the game that was based on that movie based on that game, that game was great. That was Ratchet, that, that, that was Ratchet and Clank 1. The one, the one that we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, uh, I've, I, I haven't played it, nor have I seen the movie, actually, uh, I'll be I, honest. I haven't seen the movie either, I heard it's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it's going to be really interesting, thinking about that with the, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah. <laughs> Mushroom yeah, I, Kingdom, I... here we come. <laughs> also, the Sly Raccoon movie that's never coming out. I think that got pushed back into being a TV show that's never coming out now. 
Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Every so often someone circulates rumors of Sly 5 coming out and everyone gets excited for all of two minutes and then Sucker and in- Punch when it's Sucker Punch does by announcing, no, it's definitely dead. You hit it with the car and it's it's smeared all over the road. Yeah, I, I still hate that announcement. It was one of the most deflating times ever. It was. I mean, to be fair, it was probably the best Sucker Punch Sucker Punch has ever Sucker Punched, so it's on brand. I don't know. Um, and then a couple of mobile games, which we are not going to touch because mobile is a disgusting platform and I refuse to elaborate otherwise. Uh, so, um, let's talk about this for a sec, because uh, Ratchet... For a sec, Jesus Christ. We're only been going for multiple minutes. So, Ratchet and Clank, I'd still consider to be one of the flagship uh, mascots of, of the PlayStation era. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, they're definitely the strongest of the ones that were the mascots of the PlayStation 2 era. Considering that they've lived up until doing the game last year on PS5, it's and it's I, more than could I, be said for Sly or Jack. Exactly, and and I think it's it's interesting even with that that like let's let let let's just uh put put some numbers to this right like the um when you when you consider mainline games into the Nexus which I have on a tab somewhere here shit where'd it go uh nope not you. Nope, <laughs> it's in one of these tabs. That was cracking time. Cool. I'm just going to open up a new tab. Um, the point is, Into the Nexus being something that came out in 2013. Holy shit, even that is old now. We had a period of eight years between the last quote-unquote mainline game and Rift Apart coming out last year. Yeah. When did, when did Sly 4 come out? Sly 4? Sly 4 was... Around the same time as Into the Nexus, actually, maybe a year 2013. later. Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. Uh, which that also makes me feel old. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that we've had a lot of games, we've had a lot of Ratchet and Clank games between twenty thirteen and now. I don't have any standout memories of any of them being any good until Rift Apart. <laughs> and so the thing is, it's not only that Ratchet and Clank is still one of the strongest mascots for Sony. It's that Ratchet and Clank has survived being a mascot for Sony for the eight intervening years between mainline series games. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's a testament to how good the series is actually considering how how many ups and downs it's had in quality because of the mainline games are always like very very good. It's when they decide to do something different that it starts becoming questionable. Mm. But the creativity of the series and just how strong of a general gameplay loop they have is why it's survived so long and Insomniac being an insanely crazy development studio that is putting out banger after banger year after year and I don't know how they're doing that without crunching their employees at the moment. And even even with that, uh, actually, you've owned a PS5 for longer than I have, which is easy for anyone that's owned a PS5 because I've had a PS5 for all of two days. Um, have there been any... First party is not the right word. Have there been any good platform circa tw- uh, like PS2 era games that aren't attached to circa PS2 era IPs that have come out on PS5 or even PS4? Um, that that's a weird way of phrasing that. So I'm trying to think, but I've been playing Sackboy's Big Adventure recently, which I know Little Big Planet is a um a, a PS3 era series, but that was a launch title. Um, that was like a more traditional 3D platformer, and that was very good as well. That came out. I, I guess I, the, the that's, context. That's like the only one, really. 
Yeah, the, 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 the reason for asking that question is that you, you mentioned that it's a strong gameplay loop. I agree with you. It is a strong gameplay loop. But it's weird when you think that fundamentally it is what is unfortunately now considered a retro-style platforming game where I don't know that a lot of companies without a pre-existing IP would want to say, let's go for a retro PS2 feel kind of platformer as the direction for a particular game we're working on. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's all uh, like open-worldy or sandboxy or other archetypy. It's very rare that you would find a game that would try and do sort of curated levels like like Ratchet does. And I'm saying this without playing Rift Apart. Maybe Rift Apart does some, does some stuff differently. But uh, it's really cool that not only does Ratchet as the IP survive, but what Ratchet and Clank is as, you know, the, the rose-tinted glasses excellent platformer that it is, uh, surviving as the genre along with it, because Sly's effectively dead. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, Jack is effectively being turned into a remastered Last of Us Part 2, Part 2 uh, HBO series. Thanks, Neil Druckmann. You know, the, the, the further we get from the original idea of The Last of Us once started as a failed Jack 4 or Jack reboots, the more that hurts. <laughs> Every time they remake The Last of Us, it's just, we're making that thing that could have been Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that general sentiment is kind of existing in certain bubbles in certain genres. Like like you said, Ratchet kind of has that for the shooter platformer sort of genre. I also want to point out that Dove May Cry 5 came out a, a couple of years before Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and that's still very much built like Devil May Cry 3 did, was because 3 was kind of like the peak of where Devil May Cry could go and it's just been improving on that formula since that same sort of formula same thing that Ratchet and Clank has been doing but that's a whole other genre of a of video games but more of the idea that like I think there's certain franchises that started on the PS2 still kind, kind of sticking around and holding onto their mantles yeah and it's it's interesting to to take this in a in a bit of a different direction that uh i so when i think of ratchet and clank i think specifically of uh ratchet and clank 2 which is just my favorite purely on nostalgia uh ratchet and clank 2 is my favorite ratchet and clank game uh but i remember basically all of the story of ratchet and clank 2 uh i remember levels of ratchet and clank 1 levels of ratchet and clank 3 uh, and then, like, the the ending and story of A Crack in Time from the, the Future Saga. But the rest yeah. of it, my mind my mind can kind of fill in with, like, oh, you know, there was gameplay and generic shooter platformer elements and stuff between it. But uh, when you think of Ratchet and Clank, what is what, what does your mind go to? I'm kind of in that similar boat of, I think a lot about the original Ratchet and Clank and uh, Going Commando. I think of some... Deadlocked, I did enjoy that a lot when I played that way back in the day. The same thing, kind of, um, the end of A Crack in Time. Uh, it's kind of like, I feel like most of that game is kind of forgettable outside of how good the ending and the characters were. Like, mm. most, I, I don't really remember the worlds or levels of that game all that well, but I remember really enjoying the story and the characters of that. Do you remember that uh, some of the weapons were customizable in... 
in yeah, Crackle Time? Yeah, they had like it, it wasn't fully customizable. It was um It was more, just like part part swapping. Yeah, uh part swapping and they had um preloaded color combinations. One of them one of them was um for the glove was named after Angela Cross from um Going Commando. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That that was a that was a fun Easter egg. I also remember this one one very specific conversation in um in uh, a crack in time where if you listen on the radio, they're like Ratchet is a lo- one of the uh, news reporters is saying that Ratchet is the last living Lombax, and uh, uh, the female reporter says corrects him, going, "No, there was also Angela in um the Ratchet and Clank Two uh galaxy," and the guy's like, "Oh, I didn't realize she was a Lombax because she didn't have a tail," and uh the female corrects him again, going, "Um, it's like a gender dysphoria thing." Of um the females that uh, don't have tails while the males do. You mean uh, gender dimorphism? That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh like Pokemon, right? Uh, you can tell the gender of some Pokemon by um uh like what is it like the notches on Pikachu's ears, I think, and the blades, or maybe the stripes on Garchomp. Yeah, there's yeah. a few like that where which, yeah. where it's just it, yeah, it's it, yeah, it, it's cool, it's cool, it's it, it's, it's it, law building. It, it made some interesting uh, conversations when Rift Apart was coming out as well, since uh, Rivets and that has a tail, and she was supposed to be female. And it's like you're you're kind of you're kind of um, going against your all already established law, which they kind of did. And I think they've just brushed it off as different dimension, different rules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which um, fair enough, I suppose. Yeah, uh, yeah, because because that that is that is something that that is uh, is interesting right because um ratchet and clank even in the original trilogy right ratchet and clank one and three take place in the same galaxy yeah yeah it's <laughs> but, all same but galaxies clank, but ratchet and clank 2 is a completely different galaxy yeah they they just got transported to a different galaxy system because um they became big names but they did such a good job in the original game there was no more crime <laughs> superman kind of jealous yeah 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 but it's just, it's crazy, because Ratchet & Clank 2 was the first one that I played, and so then I went to Ratchet & Clank 1, and it was like, oh, you know, this is, this is, you know, like, um, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting all the, all the, uh, planet names, but like, Lombax, uh, not the Lombax homeworld, but like, where you first meet Ratchet and stuff, and like, all this other kind of, um, filling in the blanks, and then, because I was, shoot, I honestly don't remember how old I was when I played Ratchet & Clank 2, but then, to go back and then play Ratchet and Clank one afterwards, I always thought it was weird that Ratchet and Clank two started with them being transported to a to another galaxy, and then playing Ratchet and Clank one, it's like, oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, it, it is. It is canon. So, uh, my history of the franchise is: I started with Ratchet and Clank two. I didn't play one or three on the PS two, so I went straight from two to um Deadlocks. And both of those games, like oh, Ratchet yeah. getting kidnapped into other systems to go to <laughs> go do missions and plot. I mean, you you hit you hit two excellent games back to back, and they both involve Ratchet being kidnapped. <laughs> I I think I'm onto something here. You are. Uh. Uh. Quick, quick. Um. I don't mind if it's spoilers for Rift Apart. Uh. Rift Apart is also widely considered to be a very good Ratchet and Clank game. Does Ratchet get kidnapped? No. Shit. Clank does kind of. Uh. I mean, Clank got his own spinoff game of Secret Agent Clank. You know, let's 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 tape, temper expectations here. Um. Temper. Shit, not temper, what am I saying? Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I want to quickly jump back to us both having fond memories of A Crack in Time, uh, yes. particularly the ending. So what's interesting to me about that is that when you think of classic platform shooters, uh, or I, I keep thinking of it as trying to describe the genre, when you think about those sorts of games that Sony put out, the Slides, the Jacks, the, the Ratchet and Clanks, they all have stories that you know like, if you've played the game, you will remember the story. It might not be super obvious to you, but, like, you know, if, if, you, if you play it again, you'd be like, oh, that's right, that's what happened. I remember this, I remember that. And what's crazy to me about that is that the story is just kind of there. Like, you don't really play... I, I as the, as the, the bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kid... Trying to... Lombax? Raccoon? No. Um, uh, kid playing these games... I didn't care about playing through the different planets to advance the story. I cared about playing through the different planets because I wanted the 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 shiny new guns or the the interesting new things to explore. The, the, the story was always secondary. Yeah, all the boss fights. But it's amazing to me that even underneath all of that was still a story that was good enough that you get to the end of the game and you're like, wow, I appreciate how good that story was, given the story wasn't the focus of the game at all. Is that is that a sentiment shared by you as well? Yeah, yeah pr- pretty much. Um... Yeah, the the story of the original PS2 games were like they're definitely more advanced than the other platformers from the earlier generation, like the Crash Bandicoot and the Sparrows. But they still kind of fill that niche of it's here because we wanted to write in a story to piece everything together and make the characters likable. And that's kind of like what you need to do if you want to make Ratchet and Clank stand out against um other video games you need to make them likable characters and that's where the story comes in and helps um mm. but yeah it oh it was always kind of just like more second fiddle compared to like going to other planets getting new guns uh fighting more enemies making bigger explosions with the new guns and even the advertisements kind of played into that like showing off here's all the bit wacky uh guns that you'll use throughout the ratchet and clank games go have fun um, but I think, I think the stories uh, being as serviceable and even as good as they were helped Ratchet kind of, I, I don't think it was the stories themselves, but just like the way the stories are presented to make the characters likable is why Ratchet and Clank has lived so, so long. And then you go into the future games where they kind of, they, they went harder into the story and the lore than the original PS2 games did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess it's it's interesting because, like, let's just think about how the story is delivered. Because you bounce so quickly from level to level, I don't think, and I could be wrong here, that environmental storytelling was ever a large focus of a Ratchet and Clank game. It was very much you've arrived at your objective at the end of this linear level. Uh, here is some dialogue or a kind of little bite of story. Uh, yeah and then and then take that and then compare it to i know this isn't going to be an apples for apples comparison but little big planet right similar kind of it's a platformer it's like this gameplay is definitely a higher priority than the story of that game yeah <laughs> all those games but uh again there's there's almost more environmental storytelling because so much of it is the level design of little big planet uh and less so about the gameplay elements that uh you get kind of a different a different feel again but then when i think of little big planet 2 just because that's my favorite little big planet game 
I barely remember the story. I just remember how awesome all of the gameplay upgrades they made to Little Big Planet 1 were. Yeah, and part of the upgrade to Little Big Planet 2 was making the cutscenes more involved and more dynamic. So I remember there being a story. I don't remember it all that well, though, or at all, to be honest. I just remember them making a big deal about um, being able to make better cutscenes within that game's systems because it would help the creator side of it more than anything. Hmm. Let's change tack and talk about what is the favorite weapon in a Ratchet and Clank game that, that you remember? Oh, man. There, there's quite a few, but I... Probably the bouncer? Oh, my... That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> no <laughs> okay, joke. We... I've, been, I've been trying to find... Uh, do you remember the name of the planet in Ratchet and Clank 2? It's, it's not the desert one. It's like the one where it's always raining. And there's I, the water taxis everywhere. And you do I the, remember the it, but I don't fight. remember the name of it. I'm trying to look it up. Just on a... On a <laughs> I was going to say on my second screen. I'm just on my laptop. It's only got one screen. Um, yeah, talk me through why you remember the bouncer so well. Or why, it, why you liked the bouncer so much. Uh, so the most recent playthrough of Ratchet and Clank 2 I did, which was when the collection came to PS3, um, I just remember that thing going absolutely bonkers and all the, all the little tinks of all the little grenades that going across the floor is kind of like music to my ears i love that little sound effects um yeah it, it's just a really explosive and fun weapon to use and it's also just it's been such a fan favorite that it's made its way into other ratchet and clank games as well so it's it's just kind of been ever present but not overused like some of the other very popular weapons like at one point i would have said the disco um uh, the disco ball glove was one of my favorites the the groovatron groovatron um, yeah yeah but it's been overplayed so much throughout the future games and the uh reboot game based on the movie based on the game that i just kind of got sick of the groovatron same with the zircon family (laughs) <laughs> just, just same with just every zircon just the the whole lot the whole family tree <laughs> i on. like what rift apart does with the zircon family though that that was very funny what they do there i won't i won't spoil it for you though yeah thank you uh i'm i'm looking forward to it. i i do know I, what you mean um i do like in, in, uh, in, sorry you go well i was gonna say in in Ratchet clank 2 i'm pretty sure that was when they did the, was it the synthenoids i think so it was just mr zircon but without any voice lines yeah. It was just the silent assassin. <laughs> uh, it's Planet Dobbo. Dobbo. Planet Dobbo. Yeah, the water planet. Because for some reason, for me, the, the archetypal screenshot of Ratchet & Clank 2 is me with an upgraded bouncer, the heavy bouncer, firing it just down because it's a very straight linear path. And yeah. just all the tanks just bouncing up and then like over a gap and killing an enemy from like behind a wall and other bits. Ah, oh, just... 10 out of 10. Every every part of the... Um, <laughs> everything that makes going to the slots addictive in a single level of a video game. <laughs> Loud noises, flashing lights, and serotonin. <laughs> it's, it's a really good set. It's such a good weapon. Okay, taking the bouncer off the list. Yep. Also, also going to take the rhinos off the list because I feel like we're both going to go to the Rhino 5. I don't. You'll 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 have to actually. That was the one take in the list, time but... where Rhino. Uh, it was a bunch of missiles going off while um 
opera music played in the background. Oh, yes, that's right. Where each one, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so exactly. I, I feel like we'd both go for that one as well. Um, I, what, weirdly, what, is, what is another favorite? Like, the Rhino, Rhino 5 is, is interesting, but I actually preferred Rhino 2 uh, just because the Rhino 2 with the upgradable lock-on mod just meant that either everything died when you weren't locking onto stuff or the one thing that you needed to kill died uh, yeah. where uh, the, the new game plus with the bolt multiplier and stuff uh, got ridiculously easy once you got the um, magnetized wrench upgrade on Tadano and uh, the Rhino 2 with the, the lock-on upgrade. Um, Rhino 3, bit of a letdown, I'll be honest. Yeah, um, Rhino 3 was a bit a bit um, uh, shit compared to Rhino 2. I think it was also just because I really wanted to call it Exodia. I think it's the Zodiac. Yeah, the Zodiac in Ratchet 2. Yeah. Where it just did the same thing. Um, okay, taking Rhinos off the list. Uh, some obvious favorites from my side. Uh, special place in my heart for the Plasma Whip from Ratchet and Clank 3. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Plasma Whip's really good. The uh, <laughs> This one I like just because it sounded really funny to me as a kid and still does, uh, which accurately sums up a lot of what I find funny. The Mini Rocket Tube from Ratchet and Clank 2. And it's upgrade the Mega Rocket Cannon. Okay. And the I, reason I don't remember that one all that well. Oh, okay. So the reason why it's funny to me, so it, it it's kind of it's kind of like the Rhino too, just with more single fire than than it being a, a Gatling gun. Um, and so Mini Rocket Two, press button, rocket fires, does damage, low ammo, high damage, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> when you upgraded that to the Mega Rocket Cannon, which was just like that, that's just the upgraded form Mega Rocket Cannon, then uh, you could hold down circle and it would charge up up to four rockets and then release them all at once, and it was sick. But the thing is, once you got to New Game Plus, where you could then do the upgrade system again, it would then upgrade to the Mega Mega Rocket Cannon, and then if you upgraded that for the final time, it would become the Ultra Mega Rocket Cannon. And there's some sick part of my brain that still really enjoys that, <laughs> just as like a, uh, like excellent naming. <laughs> 10 yeah, out of 10. Yeah, no, the naming convention alone makes it really good. Um, uh, what, that was uh, one from my side, one from your side. I need to get to the uh, name, the Buzz Blades from um, uh, A Crack in Time again. Um, the, yes. Those were the ones that shot out the little razor discs uh, that just spiraled around enemies. Same, same kind of place as the bouncer of I really like the sound effects. Um, it doesn't do a whole lot of damage, so it loses its um, value over time. But I, I still get like a sick sense of pleasure of uh, surrounding an enemy with buzz saws. And then switching out to another weapon and just blasting them while they're being annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Uh, I also a special place in my heart for the the suck gun, the original suck and cut cannon from Ratchet yeah, and Clank One. Yeah, suck cannon. That is uh, such a good one. Is it suck cannon, vacuum gun, eh, whatever it was. <laughs> Hoover of Doom. <laughs> Mike um, Dyson. <laughs> there, there's one from Rift Apart that I really like as well, the Ricochet. That Ooh. that one that one I like specifically because of the uh, PS5 controller. Um, but what it is is um, it, so when you end up playing uh, Rift Apart, you'll notice that um, it, there's um, it, certain squeeze levels on every gun. Yeah. Um, it, 
the the ricochet just felt really good because it um it had a really satisfying click for all of the times the ricochet ball would bounce off the enemies. Um, it, you, so what it does is it sends out a metal ball. Um, and then after it hits the enemy, it'll bounce up and just hover over them. And then you pull the trigger again, and it'll go do another hit and bounce over them. And it does that about three to five times. And oh, yeah. every pull of the every pull of the trigger for each bounce just feels really good. Uh, yeah, I, we probably just swap great weapons that we can remember back and forth until until we die, and and that would be fine. Um, did you ever make it to an Easter egg location in Ratchet and Clank? Uh, multiple times. Um, the one I'm thinking of specifically is probably the same one as you for um, going commando. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the I, Jack I feel and Daxter like, dance. Uh, well, I mean, me having played very little Jack and Daxter, probably didn't even, didn't even recognize the dance. But uh, just the the museum and needing to set your system time to like three a.m. for the teleporter to activate. Ah, uh, yep. Uh, just excellent, excellent Easter egg. Um, yeah, I I feel like a lot of this twentieth anniversary is really just going to be how good was Ratchet and Clank two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Answer, very. <laughs> so, Into the Nexus is an Easter egg because um the final level of Into the Nexus is um a museum going through the history of the series. Like, they kind of thought that that was probably going to be the last Ratchet and Clank game. They had done all their little weird spin-off stories on PS3, and they kind of just wanted to wrap up the series with a nice little bow. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the final level is a museum to honor the... Um, it, the history of the franchise but there's also a hidden room over to the side that's dedicated to a developer that was on every single game up to that point and had unfortunately passed away a little bit before into the nexus came out so they made oh, a, they made an in-game memorial to him that's cool i'll get his name it was dan johnson well rest in peace dan johnson uh you will forever be remembered in the into the nexus which admittedly i never played sorry about that but uh if, if i do play it I, I i will salute for fallen fallen comrade yeah no it's it's cool because again you know uh putting in putting in easter eggs like that is time that i feel like in today's world of get something out there quickly always need to like be on top of things that uh I don't want to say that people don't take as much care in doing, but it's just, it's it's harder to, I think it's harder to justify time spent on Easter eggs or time spent on stuff that you don't think the player will uh, will find on the kind of happy path through the game. Yeah, um, they, they do happen. It's more infrequent now. Uh, but, um, yeah, I do kind of miss the days of them happening all the time like they did. And I feel like Ratchet's one of those series that, does them very well. I can't remember specific. No, no. Rift Apart does have Easter eggs. They they dedicate something specifically for Easter eggs in that game, and I absolutely love it in that game. That I'm pretty sure I've already read ahead for. That's like the weird dimensional room thing, right? No, this is something no? else. Okay. But there there are multiple instances of like dimensional Easter eggs in the game. Yeah. Because I think Rift Apart, because so much of it is reliant on something like dimensionality, uh, is you know ripe for that sort of crossover, which is great because it sounds like they they did that based on what I've read already. 
um, going to you know like the the world made where everything is made of yarn or the the world where someone had a blue cap and other bits and pieces you're like hey i know what that's referencing i'm part of the I'm part of the in, uh, in crowd. <laughs> so, so just just a little nudge in a direction when you get up to the level in Rift Apart that very obviously has lore bombs in them. Just go and get every single one of them in that level. It's it's a fun time and a fun listen to each one of them. <laughs> sure. Uh, do you think if things had been different and you and I had started with Rift Apart? that it would be a strong enough game because currently Rift Apart is not part of any saga or, or franchise and I don't think they've talked about if they're doing more. I, I assume they will. It's too profitable to die. But I don't think they've announced a second game, have they, for PS5? No, they haven't. They're, they're currently tied up with doing Spider-Man 2 and then Wolverine. Mm. Do you think if things had been different and we'd started with Rift Apart, that it would be a strong enough game that you'd want to go back and play the older titles? I think so, yeah. Um, they, there's a lot of stuff in the game that makes you curious about what happened in the earlier games, and the Rift Apart is just as strong as some of the best um, games, possibly the best one in the series. I'm still kind of having that debate, but it's definitely in this top three and i think it's a strong enough game that'll make people want to go and see what the older games were about so let, let's compare that for a sec right so let's compare that with something like pokemon where every generation they talk about how actually it's not even pokemon fucking every game developer or at least all of the ones that curb cat likes to make fun of they come out with uh we want we want to bring in we want to be super accessible and bring in all the all the the new fans we can and we also want to put a little something in there for the people that the the you know have stuck with us and, and have been around the block and everything and what they mean what that usually translates to is that they split their time between dumbing stuff down to make it very accessible and easy to access and putting in really niche things that only certain groups would appreciate and understand and the reason i bring up pokemon is because I honestly don't think if you were to play and enjoy Scarlet Violet that it would be a strong enough pull. Like, chances are just statistically you've played older Pokemon games in the first place. But if for whatever reason Scarlet Violet was your first Pokemon game, I don't know that a Pokemon game by itself could ever be strong enough to make you want to go back and play older ones uh, immediately. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I... I agree. I don't think Pokemon is a good example for it because, yeah, it, and they kind of, like, try to build each game to be, like, the new big thing and they don't want you to look at the old ones. They want you to look at the new shiny one. Mm. Um, Whereas it seems like Ratchet & Clank celebrates it coming from, you know, 2002. Yeah, and they still write the story in a way that's, like, accessible to newcomers. It's like, Yes, we're acknowledging these things happen, but we're not going to put a whole lot of emphasis on the nitty gritty of it. If you've got yep. the details, then that's good. You'll understand a little deeper. But if not, don't worry about it because the crux of the story and the enjoyment is just what's being written here. And I think, I think they do a really solid job of that with this series. There's not a lot of um other games that do it. I think. I think it's mostly platformers that are really good about it, honestly. Like, I think 
really enjoying Mario Odyssey, you'd want to go see some of the older 3D Mario games and maybe see how good Galaxy was or Super Mario 64, um, even Sunshine. Sonic games, I think, are also some of the ones that are like, if you like one of them, you're going to go and try some of the other ones just to get that same, that same sort of rush you get from playing a Sonic game. So you, you know what I have as a weird counterexample to that? What's that? I, I don't think anyone that goes and starts with Sly 4 that they finish Sly 4 and go, that game was great. I can't wait to go back and play the older games. Sly 4 like... actively hates the older games in some points. Exactly. Exactly. It's Sly one 4... specific character that they do yeah. so bad. Penny. Yeah. They're just God. like, oh, you know, you know that character that everyone loved and adored after Sly 3? What if we just threw her under the bus? <laughs> is, Sly, is Sly 4 actually called Sly 4, or is it just called Sly Thieves in Time? Um, It's probably just called Sly Thieves in Time, but I always yeah, call it Sly, Sly 4. Co- it's called Sly Cooper Thieves in Time. Yeah, we call it Sly 4 just to shorthand it. But imagine if Sucker Punch didn't Sucker Punch us about it, and they actually just came out and said, no, here's an actual Sly 4. And that that was part of the rumor mill, just like the TV show, just like Sly 5, all of that stuff is they're going to get Sly 4 and they're going to do it right this time. Or um, what was the other one? That, it, that there was going to be a Sonic Mania style Sly game where a group of fans were going to be like, no, 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 fuck Thieves in Time. They they went and sagged all over this franchise that we know and love. <laughs> we're going to do it properly this time from scratch, which hilarious. And to be honest, the cliff notes of the plot that they were going to go with, or at least as far as the ship post went at least uh the plot was was interesting enough like it i think i think there's a lot of um there's so much expandable lore in the sly universe that that it's it's ripe for more games it's just if if the conditions are right and if the the audience would be receptive to it but uh see the the weird part the reason why i say it's a counterexample is i did not like sly 4 i I liked parts of Sly 4, but it was too cookie-cutter for me. Sly 3 was really good about jumping through different levels and giving you different stuff to do. I'll I'll let you jump in in a sec. Um, But Sly 4, because I didn't like it, I feel like people that play through it would then go to their friends and go, hey, you told me the Sly franchise was great. Sly 4 was mediocre. And they go, go back and play the original trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm (laughs) We suck at them in that way. (laughs) I'm in this weird position where I like playing Sly 4. I like the levels of Sly 4. Um, I like the ancestors in it. I think they did... I did the ancestors uh, pretty well in it. Like, I really like, um, uh, Kid Cooper, uh, I think is his name. Um, the yeah, one that's the, the basically Billy guy. the Kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like him a lot. Um, but holy shit, is, um, is the so- story in that game horrid? Uh, the bosses aren't good at all. And le, le, uh, is it Le Fui? Le Fui or Le Pew? It's, it's le someone. Fui, but it's it's a play on Pepe Le Pew. Yeah. Okay. So I was sort of right both times, but yeah, yeah fucking stupid. LT Great is also pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I, I do like the Grizz. I think the Grizz is pretty funny. Yeah, Grizz um, so, is great. But no, what, uh, what they do to Penny is also inexcusable. Like, they. There's parts of that game being good, and then the parts that are bad just absolutely demolishes it. Any good faith. Actually, while while I'm thinking of Sly, 
uh, I think it was the first game that introduced to, to me, to me, right? Uh, I don't know if it's the first game that did it of, of all PS2 games, but um, Sly 2, Sly 2 specifically, which actually, funnily enough, just, <laughs> okay, two quick points that I want to make. The point that I was actually going to make, I'll, I'll pause for a sec. An even quicker point that just occurred to me, between Ratchet and Sly, I've played the second game in the series first, and then played the first one, and then played the third one. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know why that's the case. I did that order with the Jack and Daxter games. With Sly Raccoon, uh, back on the PS2, I only played the first game, and I didn't play all three of them until the trilogy came out on PS3. So I, um, with, with Sly specifically, a shit <laughs> cousin <laughs> maybe either family relation or family relations friend i forget who because of how long ago it was was playing the uh the end of of level three is that right level yes the end of level three uh I was playing the end of level three where you are in the helicopter turret taking out the dam and I and I was looking at it going, man, that game looks amazing. And then <laughs> this was the, the this is back when uh, video stores still existed. So for younger listeners, uh, it's places where you could go to uh, rent movies without paying a subscription. Wait, shit! It's a place you could go to rent movies and sometimes not pay a subscription fee. <laughs> um, but they would also let you rent games. And so I rented Sly Two and liked it enough that I saved up all my pocket money and 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 bought Sly Two for PlayStation Two. Um, and then. Uh, because Sly 1 was even older, I could just rent that for uh, like back-to-back weeks uh, and still uh, basically rented it for a couple weeks, uh, finished it, and then I think I eventually owned it because I picked it up on a sale. But Sly 3, uh, because I had one of the first PlayStation 2s, uh, shit, maybe in New Zealand? I'm not quite sure. Um, Dad, when he was on a conference in Sydney, actually picked it up. at, I don't even know what sort of price, but uh, I'm but it basically it meant that I'm surprised they didn't come out at the same time. If they did, they, they may, maybe they did. I don't know, but it was it was very close to to launch. I think. Uh, but the thing is, but the, the 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 point is though, we had that console the whole way through until we eventually upgraded to a PS3, and so the discs st- uh, the 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 disc laser started failing towards the end of its life, and uh, the problem was, I went and got Sly 3, and it wouldn't read the disc. <laughs> oh, it would read no. the disc. It would read the disc sometimes. And so when it did, the PlayStation stayed on for multiple days at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> just to keep it in the game. It's um, like when anyway, you don't have a memory card, so you just left the game on so you didn't lose any progress. Oh, so that that was also me. So I didn't get a memory card until 2006. And I know that specifically because a friend of mine said, and I kid you not, this is his exact quote, I found a PS2 card on the road on the way to school. Do you want it? <laughs> oh, no, that's and, so sad. And, and, and me, having never been able to save progress before, uh, went holy shit yes please i cannot wait to see what um shit i don't remember the game i was playing at the time but i was stoked to not need to so i um i unlocked uh what was it ssx snowboarding one i got most of the way to the end of all of the unlockables 
without turning the PlayStation off. Like all of the the tracks, I got to all except God, maybe two without without uh, turning the PlayStation off. That's a multiplayer game too. So like the big appeal is to have a memory card so you can um save it all and play multiplayer with family and friends later on. So it- it, it gets even dumber. So not only did I not have a memory card, the second controller we had was a steering wheel. <laughs> oh, no. You were one of and those so, people. And so I had to be the nice older brother and try and snowboard with a fucking steering wheel. <laughs> you know, every time I hear about, like, memory card stories, I always think of the fucking 4chan green, to- uh, green text about um, someone buying a memory card for their friends for their GameCube. Um, if you haven't heard it, and I'll also explain it for the audience, um, basically this guy goes, so it's my friend's uh, birthday party, and him and his brother just absolutely love Super Smash Brothers Melee. They um, they constantly keep the GameCube on because they've unlocked every character in every stage, and they they're scared of um, of uh, losing all that data because they've had it for so long, and um, they just don't want to get rid of it. Um, so they. For their birthday, they buy them a memory card, but uh, and while no one's looking, they plug it in and hit uh, save game on on it, and then they get their friend's attention and go, "Hey man, look at this!" Turns off the GameCube. The younger brother of the two starts screaming and crying, and he's trying to calm them down, going, "No, look, it's fine." Uh, turns on the game and it says the save data has been corrupted. Oh, <laughs> uh, good. Um. What were the other two? Uh, oh, Crash Bandicoot 1? I don't remember the one. Um, the one so, where... The, so the I one didn't where... have a PS1 memory card. I remember this specifically because I always started Crash Warped over and over again, making it a little bit further every time I, re- I, I replayed it. Um, we, we didn't leave the PlayStation on, so I just got very acquainted with the first three worlds of that game. So it was a similar boat. It was, it was up until you had to fight Crunch. In the weird, like, bowling ball thing. Ah, oh, so, yeah, Crash 4. So, Crash 4? Yeah, that was Crash 4. Okay, shit. Well, Crash 4, I became really acquainted with World 1. And, um, Ridge Racer 7. <laughs> Ridge Racer 7, uh, I, uh, shit, what was it? It was like, yeah. This is, it was one of those mind games where Ridge Racer 7, you, you, I did every race to unlock the championship for the first thing, and then once you beat that, it then tells you in a loading screen, and I specifically remember this, uh, it explains how drafting works, and it's actually just occurred to me, I never figured this out, whether you could always draft and it only told you once you made it a certain way in, or if you actually unlocked drafting as a mechanic <laughs> <laughs> after beating the first the first championship, but um, yeah, mem- memory cards memory cards are great. And now uh, and now I look at my PlayStation Five with eight hundred meg- uh, gigabytes of storage and a two terabyte uh, M.2 drive on the way uh, for the expansion slot. Um, we got oh, a little you, bit you off topic. All out. I did, I did. Uh, I also I also have the the pretty. Um, uh, console cover. Uh, the I yeah, ended up I getting red. That. Galactic red. Yeah, yeah, Galactic red or whatever the the red color is. Uh, and the red controller. Um, shout out to my mate that works at JB Hi-Fi. Um, jumping I, back to. Oh, I, sorry. I just want yeah, to take on. a quick moment as well to to say how sad it is that um we we did a very slight tangent on Sly. It's also Sly's twentieth anniversary this year. 
<laughs> we skipped over it when it happened. Um, I think we might have covered it in the news section because that's we where, did. Yeah, they yeah. they dropped all the Sly games on um on PlayStation's uh, streaming service instead of doing an actual release, which is why we're also doing this for Ratchet and Clank. They're doing the exact same thing. They're releasing all the PS3 games and collections on the streaming service, which no one wants. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we spent this little bit of time on Sly just for it to be overshadowed by other things, just like it's life on the PS2. <laughs> and and the, the crazy part is, you know what? I, I'm pretty sure... Oh my god, I just remembered it. Yeah. I, I, was, I was trying to think, there was a reason why I tangented to Sly, and now it's been 10 minutes, and I couldn't remember what the original point was. I remembered it. Sly 2 was the first game in that I had played where if you plugged in a microphone, you could use it to make sounds in-game. Ah, uh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and, and you're thinking, wow, that's that's kind of cool. That's where they do peripheral integration into a PlayStation. That That's awesome. But here's the thing. The, the, literally its only use was that if you plugged a microphone in and then didn't make noise you wouldn't alert guards yeah you, you could use it to your advantage to make noise to get them to go over somewhere you want them to be so you can get somewhere else unnoticed but I yeah, think you, they you definitely end up, could. I think like they end up giving you a upgrade that does that anyway yeah, that, that's just the alarm clock, uh, that's which right. does that. And you need to get the alarm clock before you can finish one of the worlds. Exactly, which admittedly is like world set. Yeah, that's world seven. So you got a little bit of time because there's only eight levels. And so, you know, you're basically at the end of the game by that point. Sli- but, slide but no, two it's... is weird to me. I enjoy it, but I think it's too long. What? <laughs> I don't know. I it's. I feel like some of the bosses having two worlds to themselves kind of wears out some of their welcome. And I I always feel worn out by the time I hit the second Rajan stage because I feel like those first three worlds, by the time you hit to world three, it's starting to get a little repetitive and it's not until world four where they break the formula a little bit. Yeah, but okay. that's, I... that's a little bit too late. It needed to be that third level that breaks the formula. I 100% agree with you because I did, uh, well, of all of the levels, I think World 3, uh, aka Rajan's Temple, is my least favorite just because yeah. it's a it- visually unappealing setting for me. And also, I just have PTSD of hearing a bottle because it's nearby. but And you can't just fucking being- find it. <laughs> You cannot find it because it's just up some fucking tree that you need yeah. to trek the whole way around the level to go and get. Fuck you. Yeah, no, Rajan 3 is uh, the... Uh, Rajan 2, I mean, stage 3, is the yep. level that kind of tanks Sly 2 for me. After that, it picks back up and it's enjoyable, but it's that section is a slog. It's fantastic from that point on, though. It is. I also think the Contessa kind of uh, overstays her welcome a bit. Um, in that she also gets two levels, but both her level themes are way better than uh, Rajan 2 ever hopes to be. So bo- both her levels are... Uh, so you're, you're right in that she does get uh, two levels, but I don't think it's that bad because level four is Operation Prison Break. And yeah. that's just... That, that just sort of subverts the, the formula of the first three worlds of always having access to the other two characters or to, to all three characters and... That's a great subversion in, in my eyes. And uh, particularly World 5, which is my tied equal favorite level. Um, 
that's the one where the, it's the all-out war between the, exactly Nayla and the, Nayla and the, yeah. yeah and and the Contessa and that that's such a good setup like yeah. that that's that, that's effectively Far Cry too right where you're like you're like yeah I'll help out both sides of this and just secretly just amping up the tensions between them yeah uh like what was it having to take photos of ghosts and then shoving all of the photos of ghosts down the chimney so of you one actually of the, the, the ghosts and then shove them down Neela's headquarters that's right yeah yeah and see see this is what i mean like i i cannot tell you when i last played slide two it would have also been on the vita as part of the trilogy but that would have been even further ago than the Sly trilogy the ratchet one you mean thank you <laughs> but uh but it's still so vividly there because of how well done games of that era are both in terms of how well they were made at the time and also how well i at that age appreciated what i was playing yeah yeah the... uh, and and for, for those wondering other tied first favorite level of slide two level six the first jean level with all the trains because i'm half canadian and that was just like all of the box checking of things that I that I really like. It, it's also it, like, just a generally pretty level. It is like the shit that appeals to the male fantasy. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, going and and uh, collecting spice by jumping on hot air balloons uh, as Sly. Ten out of ten. Yeah, no. Uh, the the first of um the uh, bison levels is really good. And also getting into bear fights. <laughs> <laughs> or making other people get into bear fights. Or um, what was the one? Can a train kill a bear? <laughs> and the answer is no. <laughs> it it kind of sucks that um, Sly Free has the Australia level. And while it's good, it's also really terrible. Yeah. The, um, the, the main villain being an evil mask is kind of stupid. Um... <laughs> I, I like the guru, but the guru is also kind of racist. <laughs> I think... I th I, so, I'm giving Sly Cooper way too much the benefit of the doubt here, but I, I would like to think that the guru was designed as an archetype to kind of not cram all the stereotypes of the First Nations people uh, uh, into into one character, but I felt like if you wanted a representative of kind of indigenous, like Aborigine First Nations Australia, that at touching this time on things... that's kind of where you would have taken it. And looking yeah, exactly. Back, it's, it's it's a little racist. It is, it is, but it's like, uh, I I, I guess part of me trying to give it benefit of the doubt is that. At the age where I played that, I thought that character was super. It. Yeah, it was super interesting to me because, first of all, like they're all an anthropomorphized like animals. Yeah. So, yeah. at least it's well. It, it's just the <laughs> so was, ideas behind it are what does yeah. it. Like. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I was going to say it's really hard to do blackface, but I was, then I thought about Jenks, but. Um, shout out to shout out to the first episode that we did of shitty pink habit, shitty pink sprite. I'm glad ratings. that we got to end that with a third Pokemon joining Jinx. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, but the uh to to my naive, uneducated ass uh back then, 
<laughs> need to stress back then. Um, it made me more aware than I otherwise would have been of Aboriginal culture, even if it's a slanted view of it and yeah. a and a slightly racist uh, like connotations of what that means in hindsight. At the time, it's kind of like if that character wasn't there, I would know less as a result. So it's kind yeah. of like it's not perfect, but it's better than nothing, giving it the most benefit of the doubt that I can. Um, yeah, it's you're sort of walking away with new a lot of that New title episode in defense of light, uh, light racism. <laughs> okay, in you really need to start. I I, <laughs> I I I'm I'm an agent of re- to to really tone down the amount of racism you think that I'm putting out on this podcast because uh, <laughs> the amounts I, the amounts <laughs> I've had to cut out is insane. <laughs> if I had this a penny for every time I had to cut out Patrick being racist, I would have one penny, <laughs> which isn't a lot, but concerning it happened once. <laughs> and giving my uh, g- g- giving the ultimate ben- benefit of the doubt for that one moment uh my naive uneducated ass uh thought i was white uh... <laughs> okay that makes it sound way worse <laughs> that's why i said it <laughs> so we're at an hour <laughs> yeah we are I need to think of some other topic for Ratchet and Clank, so that way that's not the last thing we talked about for Ratchet and Clank's twentieth anniversary. <laughs> happy twentieth, uh, happy twentieth birthday, Ratchet. Also, Patrick might be slightly racist again, <laughs> um, but it's not blatantly racist, so that's that's an improvement. <laughs> we'll take those. Uh, do okay. Final question then. We've talked about the. Uh, movie based on the game no yeah movie based on the game and the game based on the movie based on the game for Ratchet and we talked about the rumors of a movie or TV series or even fifth game for Sly PlayStation Move doesn't count PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale actually does count I'll allow that a sixth game for Sly (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, do you think that uh that we might be in a similar to Rift Apart. Like, I know Sucker Punch is announced, you know, we're not doing anything more with it. Because I, I don't even think it was Sucker Punch that did Sly 4. It wasn't. It was I'm... Sans Rue Games that did that because they also did yeah. the HD collection to familiarize themselves with the Sly franchise, which is why the map design in that game and general gameplay flow, I feel, is fine. It's just everything else that they fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> but do, do you think that... Uh, and like i i hope right i hope and i have no way of testing this theory that everyone goes oh it's ratchet and clank's 20th anniversary those games were awesome i am really excited for the next installment the next mainline installment because rift apart shows that they've still got it that insomniac can still put out an excellent ratchet and clank game it's going to be any... really interesting to me if after this conversation you go play Rift Apart, come back and say, I hated it. <laughs> I, Insomniac does not have it. What the fuck were you talking about? <laughs> you know what? Sansuru Games should have done Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. <laughs> it's too bad they're stuck at Facebook. <laughs> okay, that's a fate worse than death. Um, <laughs> I think that's actually why there hasn't been a Sly 5 because they got bought out by Facebook after making two Sonic Boom games on 3DS. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I guess, do you think there's still appetite out there for 
like a, a revival or or a continuation of the Jack and Daxter IP or the Sly Raccoon IP? Or do you think, or, or alternatively, maybe there's even a third option, I don't fucking know. Is, is there a way that you see of creating a new IP that has the same amount of nostalgia value that you and I have for even just Sly 2? I was just talking about Sly 2. What, what sort of games recently do you think have been released that would provide that same sort of nostalgia where in 20 years, someone like us, you know, on some shitty, um, wouldn't be fast travel lounge, be like fucking slow travel kitchen or some dumb shit fucking name like that. But they're talking about, oh, it's the 20th anniversary of X game that came out, you know, in the last couple of years. That game was great because of the nostalgia of this, that, and the other thing. Is there a game like that that you see? Or, like, what are your, your thoughts, basically? Okay, so for the first one, which is more of the Sly Ratchet and Jack one, um, yep. that I, I know there's interest in those because we just had uh, um, Saga Punch come out and address... The, uh, address the um, impact of uh, so many people wanting a new Sly game where they themselves had to come out and say you know, no, we're not doing it please stop asking, we know people want it we want to do it maybe someday but it's not right now <laughs> um, Norodog does the exact same thing every fucking year with Jack and Daxter going we know there's demand for Jack and Daxter we love Jack and Daxter as well but it's just not the right time and not what we're but, focusing um- on Unfortunately, we need to remake Last of Us Part 1, so... <laughs> yeah, and we're also doing The Last of Us multiplayer. Um, are they? <laughs> they, they? They swear they are. We might see it at the end of the year. Ooh. <laughs> um, Insomniac seems to have the best grasp of it and, like, development ability to do... Uh, to deliver on it at the moment, because... It just did drift apart. They're doing multiple big projects games and I could see them still going back to Ratchet and Clank after a Wolverine or even in between Spider-Man and Wolverine somehow. Um, so yeah, Rat- Ratchet, I feel comfortable with staying and continuing as it is. It's the other two that are more concerning and we know there's interest in them because the parent companies keep going, we know there's interest, we want to do it, but you want it enough. <laughs> Um, as for things that have that same nostalgia value, I don't think there's any, like, big company ones that do, honestly, besides what currently exists. Like, I can see in 20 years someone's first Ratchet being Rift Apart and then celebrating, like, the 40th anniversary of Ratchet and Clank, as scary as that sounds. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Or Welcome just... back to Slow Travel Kitchen, episode 4000, I, today's I feel... episode. <laughs> Imagine the people right now that started um, at Sonic the Hedgehog at the beginning, and now they've celebrated their 30th anniversary recently. Um, With Frontiers? No, no, not Frontiers. Well, kind of, but it was 30th anniversary <laughs> last year, so they celebrated by announcing Frontiers. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, like give it 10 more years and Sonic will be in its 40th anniversary, those people will be feeling like fucking dust and there'll be kids that potentially start with Frontiers and be very excited for what the future of Sonic holds. Same thing with Mario. I think it's like those franchises that we're currently celebrating stand the test of time and they're constantly getting new new blood to come in and be excited for the next one. Um, 
that's in the triple A big developer space. So I think in the um indie space we see some of it. Like I could see Super Meat Boy or Binding of Isaac getting it. I could see um th- this is a little more niche, but Spark the Electric Jester might, which started off as a Sonic fan game and kind of grew into its own thing. And I don't think it'll have the staying power or like those big anniversary milestones. But I think there will be people that think fondly of that in like 10 years time. Um, yeah, but I think when you get to like more mascotty type character designs, right now we're looking more at the indie space than we are big guys. That's interesting. So I, I actually, when did the first Call of Duty come out? The uh, first one? Yeah. I think it was on the PS2. Oh my god. <laughs> Call of Duty video game series. I just realized that fucking half of them are called Call of Duty. No, 2003. Don't care about Warzone. 2003. Interesting. So the 20th, yeah, so the 20th anniversary will be next year. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens with that. Uh, because, so the reason I say that one's interesting is because to me, it was only Call of Duty 4 that, that really started. It off. That kicking that Yeah, that, exactly, that kicked it off. Whereas, um, what we're talking about, Ratchet and Clank 1, banger. Ra- uh, Sly Cooper 1, banger. Jack and Daxter 1, banger. Because they were all big for what they did at the time. Call of Duty 1, I'm sure it's a fine game. I don't know. I've never played it. But Call of Duty 4 is the one that everyone goes, that, that was the game. Yeah, that was like the right place, right time, right game sort of thing. You know what I think should get a 20th, 20 year anniversary? What's that? Skate. Yeah, I could see that. I, I don't know if EA will consider it. Well, but... the problem is, the problem is we're sort of getting a, um, so Skate, Skate 1 came out in 2007 because it was part of um, uh, PlayStation 3 kind of like launch lineup, that sort of thing. Um, but we're getting a Skate 4, or at least it's a spiritual for Skate. 2027. What? I said it's, it's, it's currently slated for 2027 with, with how slow development's going. It, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a bad, it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure because it was like, yes, it's the spiritual successor, but I think it's coming out sooner than that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that one I, I we've talked about. I actually, what is it called? Is it is it just called Skate again? I, I forget. Yeah, I think it's it. just called Skate. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm so nervous for that game. I I hope it does well because of how good Skate Three is, but I just don't. I I don't know. Um, Borderlands 1, I see a 20-year anniversary for, uh, because that kicked off basically the looter-shooter genre. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, shoot, there was one other. Motorstorm. Motorstorm, I, I see. Um, I don't. Or... I think that's dead and buried, and we won't hear about it ever again. I'm sorry, Patrick. <laughs> Seth, Seth, I, I need this. <laughs> when, when did Motorstorm well, Apocalypse come out? Uh, 2012. Patrick, it's been 10 years. <laughs> It's time to I, let go. <laughs> Motorstorm died I, in the apocalypse. I only know that it's 2012 because it was going to be 2011, and then there was the Christchurch earthquake and the Japan earthquake, and they were like, "Okay, so this is a really bad luck." <laughs> um, 
I think it's still released in 2011 in, um... Oh, no, no, it came out Australia 2011. It released 2012 in North America. Uh, no, actually, no, it says 2011 across all major regions. Hmm. Okay, I thought it was early 2012. Yeah, I, it got delayed because of the earthquakes, basically. Maybe maybe yeah. it wasn't enough for a year, but it, it got pushed back a little bit for those. Um, no, you, you're probably right about Motorstorm, but um, uh, Burnout, I think, uh, would, though. Uh, again, it's an interesting spot in that I don't know anyone that has particular nostalgia for Burnout 1 or 2, but Burnout 3, and Burnout uh, Paradise. 4, and then 5 with Paradise, uh, which um, is interesting because we've already got the... Uh, shit. What was the version? Um, the remastered one. Oh, was it just? It was just Burnout Paradise remastered. Yeah, because that that was the ten years on. Um, yeah, two thousand and nine to twenty nineteen, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, that's why. Uh, because Most Wanted was also a Criterion for Speed game. Um, shoot, I think there was uh, oh Hot Pursuit Criterion for Speed game, but now Unbounded as well. Uh, I'm excited for. Uh, I don't know if Need for Speed would be a 20-year game, just because they're so regular with when they come out. It'd be like celebrating FIFA's 20th anniversary. Who the fuck yeah. cares? Yeah, I don't think Need for Speed would get anniversary games. I think Burnout might, just because it's a little bit more rare. Also because it's been dead since, well, you know, since other Paradise. than the remaster. <laughs> yeah, other than the remaster since Paradise. Um, yeah, any, any final thoughts on this weird nostalgia 20-year trip? I'm getting gold. <laughs> Man, every time I throw it to you for final thoughts. First one, Patrick's racist. Second one, I'm getting old. Can you just end with something nice, please? Um, I I really appreciate Ratchet and Clank series and I hope that they continue doing more. Like it's genuinely one of the favorites of mine. Um and it's like one of the last Blackberries of like the PS2 era of games where I feel like that was a, that was like such a good generation of um just game feel i want to say mm. like gaminess and, and game feel and, and we need more games to kind of celebrate that era i know that i threw it to you for the last word but i'm just gonna steal the last word back really quick with god damn uh, it i i let <laughs> you take it you end up being racist <laughs> you complain about me and now you just take my final thoughts um I have, as soon as I plug my PlayStation 5 and, and it gets set up and all the other shit, I have God of War Ragnarok, uh, Astro's Play Lab, which admittedly is already the GOAT. I don't know if I can ever top that, but just bear with me. Uh, and all of the PlayStation Plus catalog that I'd have access to once I activate that subscription, which actually, side point, we'll probably touch on that in the news, but holy shit, what a lineup coming to PlayStation 5 this month. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but, but the thing is, of all of the stuff that I have access to, I am most excited to play Rift Apart. Yeah, I, I can understand that. That was one of the big ones I wanted to hit on PS5 right away. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I, I suspect given how close you and I have been on this, Jesus Christ, 80-minute trip down memory lane. Uh, Still not as long I as the Pokemon spoiler cast that never came out. <laughs> I suspect we'll be in similar in, in similar alignment on the highs and lows of Rift Apart, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to talk through that once I finish it, which I don't know when that'll be, but 
yeah, I, I'd I really say want to get I'd stuck give it a replay just to freshen myself up on memories of that game to have a. But good you got so much shit to do, man. I have so many games to fucking play through right now. <laughs> on top yep. of editing the podcast. Oh, on top of not getting paid for editing the podcast. But yeah, like I'm, I'm currently going through Sonic Frontiers. God of War just came out. <laughs> Pokemon's coming out in nine days. Eight days. Oh my god. Yeah, you're right. Holy shit. And then um, Unbound coming out. I fucking out. look at a Steam community content for Sonic Frontiers and it's people drawing dicks <laughs> with, the new, <laughs> with the new drawing ability. Oh, man. Never changed Steam. Uh, yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully we're coming up now exactly on 80 minutes. Uh, hopefully our listeners enjoyed this trip to memory lane. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, uh, uh, Ratchet and Clank. Trying to do a, trying to do a shitty Steve impression. Uh, oh, I'm Steve. I'm not on the podcast for multiple weeks at a time. Happy birthday, <laughs> random topical thing. Um, Patrick, please, we do that at the end. <laughs> well, this is the end of part one, which of course means we get to roll into part two for this week, which is the news. And kicking us off this week, he said, without realizing the docket wasn't open, uh, you've titled this America is Doomed? Yeah, America is completely doomed. Uh, wait, 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 after wait, the... wait, wait, wait. Because, because Musk bought Twitter? No, that's just Twitter being doomed, but I'm having fun oh, with that okay, while wait, it wait, lasts. Wait, um, because, of the, because of the red wave in the US midterms? No, but it's close to that. Because, uh, wait, what else? What else? What else? Uh, uh, inflation. No, no, no. You were closer with the midterms. Rule 34 inflation. No, we're not going through Stephen's uh, <laughs> Google history. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that that's the last thing he searched, and we haven't heard from him in a couple of weeks, so I'm, I'm out of ideas. Yeah, no. Uh, America is doomed because Florida has voted in. Uh, Maxwell Alejandro Frost to the House of Representatives. And the reason this is dooming them is because he is a Kingdom Hearts and Yu-Gi-Oh fan. We have our first Gen Z on uh, the House of Representatives and it couldn't be any better because those two series together just gives you everything you need to know about him. It's all fun and games until he walks around the the house floor talking about Trumpy Boy. Uh, one of one of his highlighted tweets is haven't played video games in years, but I'll always remember how awesome Kingdom Hearts is, and it included a link to Yoko Shimomura's dearly be- beloved from uh, Kingdom Hearts Two. Huh. Do you think when he's giving a speech, he's just gonna drop in a meme or something about a sick TikTok that he's seen recently? I I feel like he might do a TikTok dance. <laughs> He's flossing in the in the in the, in the Congress. I I think he's uh oh God uh never mind. I I had the, I had the idea of the dance where it's like they're air pumping and moving one leg back and forth while hopping on the other. I cannot remember the name of it to save my life though. I I wasn't even sure that was a dance. Um, so I guess question for you then, Seth. Are you are you inspired enough? to think that, you know, if a Gen Zer can can get elected to Congress in Florida, that you, with the help of several million dollars in federal funding, um, could get elected to uh, lobby the government to expand oil uh, fracking rights. Oh no, I'm doomed. I'm a Sonic fan. You're right. You should be allowed nowhere near government. 
Uh, how's Sonic Frontiers, by the way? Uh, frustrating. Move on. <laughs> I don't even need to segue that. That was perfect. Um, cool. Next up in the list, we have, uh, as we hinted at a few times during the brief, <laughs> fuck me, brief 80-minute nostalgia trip, um, more Need for Speed Unbound news. Uh, so I've mentioned several times previously that what I really wanted from uh, Criterion Games is to show us what actually just racing in a game would be like. And we finally have a trailer that satisfies a lot of that. Um, I don't know that I'll ever figure out the handling model until we're in, but based on what I'm seeing, I'm really liking what I'm seeing. And holy shit, it's just a minute-long trailer about the new TakeOver event stuff, but the soundtrack makes it feel so much more epic. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agreed with that sentiment of I just kind of need, like, solid chunks of gameplay, and this is getting there. There's still, like, too many cuts between things, but it's, like, a majority of just, like, cutting from gameplay clip to gameplay, a gameplay clip or like a cinematic camera angle of gameplay. So this is this is way more interesting uh visually to see like just how the game goes. And yeah, like you said, the music just helps sell it so much more. And I hope more of the soundtrack is like on point for this. It it really needs that. Um God. <laughs> um it, it needs rap and R and B. I'd like some heavy metal as well. It just it needs it, that identity. Uh, yeah, I I think I've seen enough that I probably will pre-order it. The problem is, now that I have a PS5 and a PC, what do I pre-order it on? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've I've stumbled onto that issue so many times, and the answer usually comes down to, will I mod it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, good, good if point. If yes, PC. If no, PS5. Interesting way to phrase it. I'll have to, have to do some thoughts on that. Uh, Anything more you want to add to that? Or shall we move on? Let's move on. I am sufficiently satisfied with that game and excited. Well, you know who else is sufficiently satisfied with uh, a game and excited? Electronic Arts at the prospect of shutting down Project Cars. Oh, no. How, how many racing games do they have? I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like one, one is enough, two is pushing it. And uh, I, I'm I'm on the three, I'm on the side three. of they they have three. Okay, well three is probably a little too much, and I'm on the side of Need for Speed gets to stay, and Burnout should definitely come back. So Project Cars can take the hit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Project Cars. Uh, I'm sure the people that like Project Cars are very upset at this news. But all I have to say. Uh, welcome to being a Burnout fan. <laughs> yep, and what what actually sucks about this though is that um, EA just bought Codemasters early 2021, so they they're shutting this down. They're shutting down this project not even two years after they bought the company, which you you know what that sounds like with EA and shutting down a developer's projects. They're going to, the, going farm to the farm soon. <laughs> yeah, holy shit! I just wanted to say it as a bit, but. No, you're right. <laughs> they, that that, that really sucks farm. for Codemasters. I'm sorry, you'll you'll be missed when you're frolicking through the fields up north. And that especially sucks for me because while I didn't play much of uh, Project Cars, Codemasters is the uh, 
pipe. Uh, yeah, they probably still are the the best um, rally uh, racing producer, and I think the only uh, licensed Formula One racing game producer. Not that I really play a Formula One racing game at all, but the rally stuff at least. Dirt Rally. Um, uh, Dirt Rally 3, excellent game. Dirt Rally 4, also very good game. But Dirt yeah. Rally, just as Dirt Rally, the more simulatory hardcore one. Holy shit. Yeah, they might be just shutting down project cars to focus on the Dirt Rallies and maybe the Formula One games. Yeah, who's, who's to say? Uh, that or, or uh, you know, enjoy the wide open fields. <laughs> Lots of room to roam. Lord knows Maxis doesn't need all of it. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly on, though, before we start crying. Uh, there is some Street Fighter Six news. Uh, now, I don't know about you, but when I listen to, to Josh talk, I want to rapidly mash the fast-forward button. And it's great that if I was to do that in a fighting game, uh, that... I can now do that thanks to the addition of a control scheme specifically for button mashes. Yep. So, Patrick, I have a question. Do you have a younger sibling or, like, young family members that enjoy playing video games? I have three younger siblings. Most of them enjoy playing video games, and all of them have the mental age of a five-year-old. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Uh, would you say that they would not know how to work a controller for a fighting game, but they do enjoy looking at the spectacle of, like, the secret moves and the cool-looking moves of a fighting game. So, so here's the thing, right? That that's a bit disingenuous to to say because something like, uh, let's say Smash Ultimate, the most complicated control you can do is like C stick in a direction and then uh, like light attack or special. Up B. Street, right? But Street Fighter has, by comparison, a science degree's worth of. <laughs> Like, I've, the first time I played Street Fighter, I don't actually remember how many years ago it was, but it was at a friend's house, and he was like, oh no, just do a Z with the analog stick. Oh yeah, no, Z motion is so hard to, like, notate on, like, a stick diagram, and then you gotta, like, explain it in keypad dialect, and if people don't know what a keypad dialect is, that's even more confusing. Like, yeah. let's say you're standing on the left side of the screen. Someone will say do six two three, and you don't know what that means just by someone saying six two three. You got to like think of like directional input of like oh six is right, two is down, and three is down diagonal. And once once you understand it, it makes sense. But it's such a um, it's not beginner friendly. You need it's sometimes you need someone to explain it. So the the the, the point of my story is that most fighting games. Uh, you wouldn't need to worry about whether or not they can figure out a controller for a fighting game because most fighting games aren't Street Fighter, and Street Fighter can go die in a trash fire. So I am in a big, I'm I'm, I, I'm big yay for for a button mash mode because Lord knows that'll be what I'm using. I I I play a significant amount of fighting games, and let me tell you, the only ones that aren't like Street Fighter are Tekken and Smash. Everything else is. A Mortal Kombat kind of to an extent as well. I was going to say, I've played Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat never had this much Yeah, they're, they're more down, down or back forwards. They're not like the quarter circle mov movements. Yeah, quarter circle can get fucked. But but when it comes to um 
when it comes to other 2D fighters, yeah, they're all like Street Fighter or even more insane than Street Fighter. But yeah, I hate um, it. Give me the button mash mode. Yeah, so going into the actual detail of the button mash mode, basically what it is, you just get to mash a button and it does like a stylish input mode for you. So you don't have to worry about what you're pressing. You just look cool while you're pressing buttons, which is perfect for younger siblings just wanting to play with you and getting to do cool shit and feeling good about it. It's offline only as well, so you won't run into people online using this control scheme. What I'm really gonna, excited- I was gonna ask, just at, at LAN. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and what I'm really excited for is to see LAN, uh, LAN tournaments happening or like locals happening and someone going 0-2 against someone just playing the button mash inputs. <laughs> and then at the end they stand up, they pop up to like, shake my hand, shake my hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, we, we got, cool, be cool. You got outplayed by me spamming square. <laughs> Shake my hand. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is really cool. Like, it's also even, like, take away all of the shit that is trying to do with a fighting game control scheme. Just on a pure accessibility level, super happy that it's in the game. Yeah. So, really cool. Uh, anything more to add, or shall we move on? Now we can move on. It's just a fun little thing that they're adding. Mm, yeah, no, it, it is really cool, and I, I'm not joking. That will be what I'm using if I'm playing Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, next up, uh, Seth, a question for you. Yes. Did you ever play Pokemon Unite? I did once. Cool. So, uh, so you, you, you know how uh, Pokemon Unite, some, and by some I mean 98% of the population would argue that it is pay-to-win. Yeah, yeah, those 98% are correct. And when we played uh, Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak, uh, remember how you sprinted in and fed to a Camellios, causing us to end the quest immediately? Yeah, because I did not pay for the DLC to win. Exactly my point. See, see, now, finally, there is a solution to the problem where you can now pay-to-win Monster Hunter, specifically on a mobile phone. I, for one, I'm very excited. I am not excited. That sounds horrible. I'm not excited at all. This sounds awful. Yeah, no. Um, so, so vagueness aside, um, the Pokemon Unite studio has teamed up with Capcom to make a Monster Hunter game for mobile devices. Um, I don't know what to expect from this. Do you think they're going to do a Pokemon Unite-style MOBA game, or do you think they're just going to try and adapt Monster Hunter into a mobile game? Both, I think it'll... both scare me. Yeah, I. so what I think they're going to do, um, they're going to... Yeah, so, so here's, here's what I think will happen. What I think will happen is they'll, they'll release the mobile game, uh, they'll put it into, like, uh, they'll, they'll let people beta test it, and all the beta testers will go, Man, it is absolutely horrendous to try and earn currency past a certain level. And they're going to end up releasing it, uh, and then people are going to find ways of kind of like adding a whole bunch of premium currency to their accounts, but not through the legal like Capcom slash Blizzard Activision channels. Uh, And so then they'll end up going into debt and then not being able to fight monsters until they pay that debt off. Uh, and there'll be some people that will just drop like $130,000 on on uh, this mobile game. Uh, and Those then people don't deserve to, rights. And they won't be able to matchmake with anyone because they'll be a higher level than the monster. Like, the monsters will team up to kill them. 
Um, yeah, I. This is one of those. I, I mean, I made it to the to the, the highest rank in Pokemon Unite in season one. Uh, I became king of the twelve year olds. Uh, I, I remember you being proudly proclaiming that off some mountains into this podcast at one point. It's true. It's true. Uh, I uh, I was able to uh, carry the team to victory. They called me the child carrier. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, why do I hear sirens from your side? Hey, future Sav, I'm going to need you to cut that out real quick. <laughs> uh, hey, future me, add in the sirens. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm. I, 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 the reason why I bring up the Pokemon Unite thing, I actually really enjoyed the game. The game is is genuinely fun, and I haven't played it in ages, but it's really cool that they keep adding more Pokemon to it. And it seems like the people that are still playing it are having a lot of fun with it. My biggest problem is that I can almost guarantee that this will be a game that they release for free, and then just have to, in order to even recoup the money on it put some shitty monetization scheme in there just oh, because yeah, no, you for cannot sure. you cannot split a mobile game and shitty monetization and that's the part that that i hate the most and it goes further than that too because pokemon everyone knows pokemon as this very accessible like everyone knew everyone knew what pokemon was before unite i i don't buy for a second that someone's first experience with pokemon was pokemon unite they all either knew it or had played it themselves beforehand. I don't think that's the case with Monster Hunter. I think there will be people that play Monster Hunter for the first time, and if this is a shittily monetized mobile game, will automatically turn them off to the franchise in future, and I think that is very, very scary for someone I, who is a huge fan of Monster Hunter like myself. I don't know how likely that is, because... Monster Hunter is kind of getting up there in terms of sales. Monster Hunter Rise is getting close to Monster Hunter World sales right now. It's kind of grown into an exceptionally large uh, game now. I guess we do have the game based on the movie based on the game. <laughs> we, we must never speak of that ever again. <laughs> no, you're, you're right. That, that probably is, is like, my point is probably more of a fear before kind of in the in the kind of like pre-world era so maybe that's less of a threat but yeah i just because it's so hard to to split shitty monetization from a mobile game i am so nervous just even announcing that it's a mobile game yeah no anything going to just mobile is like a very very concerning uh trap <laughs> i'll see it's it's a Yu-Gi-Oh trap card i just i i just want to I want someone to show me a mobile game that, like, you know, I get it. People need to make money back on what they put in. Fine. I'm not against that. But I just want someone to point me at a non-shitty mobile game. Like, what, what, what's the last mobile game that you played that you didn't want, but that you didn't say, oh, I fucking hate this? Genshin? That's, that's still a pretty scummy game with its, uh, uh, with its gacha mechanics. But my, Actually my playing was, it, I thought was pretty good. My one was probably Pokemon Go. Yeah, Pokemon Go as well. Pokemon Go. Is... That was quite a few years ago. Holy shit, that was when I was still doing my first uh, college degree. And that that one, I actually don't think that had any shitty monetization. Like I, I it does now. I, but, oh, does it? Yeah, 
Uh, the Pokemon the Pokemon storage expansions are pretty egregious. I think we didn't notice at the beginning because it was limited to the first 150 Pokemon. But um, now that it's basically every generation's in there now, it's um, not enough, and you got to start paying for it. Ah. Uh. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm nervous. I hope it goes well because I'm a huge Monster Hunter fan, and I probably will end up checking out the mobile game. But I just I just want it to be good. Just give me give me a good mobile game, guys. Make me want to believe. I uh, I will wait for more, and I won't be dis I, I won't be surprised. I'll be disappointed if it turns out exactly as I expected to. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely my position as well. Next up on the list, Nintendo and uh, D D DNA. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much. Um, to establish a joint venture company. Yeah, uh, I'll let you take this one. Uh, DNA's been doing very good for um Nintendo right now. They've done um. Uh, they they did Pokemon Go. I think they've also done um, did the uh Pikmin Bloom game that came out. So them doing a joint venture together just kind of makes sense because they've been good business partners. So going into business together makes a lot of sense. I don't think there's a whole lot more that I can say about that. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, don't really have anything to add. Um. <laughs> Next up, uh, Prince of Persia. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't turn off the episode just yet. Remake. Wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't turn off the episode just yet. Uh, Ubisoft has cancelled pre-orders. Wait, 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 wait. Don't turn off the episode just yet. But they haven't cancelled the game. <laughs> that, that's the important part. Now you can turn <laughs> off the episode. And now you can turn off the episode. <laughs> Please don't listen to the rest. <laughs> There was a comma there. Please don't pause. Listen to the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Grammar is important. <laughs> uh, Would you help yeah. Ubisoft cancel a Prince of Persia remake game? <laughs> and your I... uncle jack off a horse? Anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Prince of Persia remake. Uh, <laughs> it, it moved developments. It, it was delayed. Then it moved development studios, then it was delayed and it was, again. Yeah, and then it was delayed. No, 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 it was delayed twice, wasn't it, under the new studio? I I think it just went straight into indefinite delay. Straight into indefinite. And then they collapsed the studio. And and now they're saying pre-orders are cancelled. But the game's fine. Game's fine. Don't worry about that. Game is still game's, coming. Game's on track. Oh, man. I just love that it's called The Sands of Time. <laughs> It, it's, it's so fitting. More like the quicksands of time, am I right? With how much is being buried? Oh, uh, yeah. Again, not a huge amount more to say. It's just a very, very funny headline. I think we've talked about Prince of Persia like delays at least once every couple of months. Well, I mean, the thing is, there's no other news to talk about with Prince of Persia other than announcing it's been delayed. Announcement, you will <laughs> not be playing this game. Hmm. <laughs> Just imagine the Alpharad style thumbnail. I played Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake because you can't. I, I'm thinking of naming this episode You Cannot Buy Prince of Persia Sands of Time. 
harkening back to the ever popular you cannot buy Final Fantasy 14 episode. <laughs> yeah, but those were completely different reasons. <laughs> like that that's almost clickbait, but like the wrong style. <laughs> One was uh, too popular, the other's not <laughs> popular enough. <laughs> uh, uh anything more to add? No. I I'm done shitting on Prince of Persia for now. <laughs> cool, so it's Ubisoft. Um for now. Uh next up on the list. Uh so Netflix. Uh they they saw what Edge Runners did for Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. And they went Gears What's of War. a current game we can do? <laughs> yeah. And then um, they went down the list of uh, uh things that are not current. So my issue so they've announced a Gears of War live action feature film. And an animated series. Uh, my issue with the live-action film is that everyone in Gears of War is built like a fridge. Everyone I... wants everyone wants Marcus Phoenix to be played by Dave Bautista. <laughs> True, I am part of that fan club. Um, it, but it, my... it made around so much that um Xavier Woods uh, from um the WWE stable, the New Day, um. Him and his uh, team, the New Day, were in Gears of War Five, like actually scanned in and um had uh team themed armor uh put into the game. They he publicly came out and said, "If Dave Batista gets into the game, I want in on the live action movie too to be his backup." <laughs> That'd be sick. Uh, yeah. My my concern is that we're gonna run into a uh Halo style problem of the live-action film just looks like a cosplay. Yeah, I could see that. It'll be 90 minutes of, like, this is someone cosplaying as the character. This is not the movie. This is not a live-action movie. But, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Never been wrong yet. Don't check that. But, uh, you know, again, I have no reason other than to hope that it's good, but I don't know. But video game adaptations rarely are. Let's let's look at the banger of a live action that came out preceding this one, Resident Evil. Or, so anyway, moving on. <laughs> sure, let's move on. <laughs> don't don't look at Resident Evil. <laughs> Stay away. Um uh, uh next one we have uh so, Seth, what is the most exciting thing in VR uh on the horizon for you? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I don't know all that much about VR Wrong. stuff on the horizon. It's, it's Among Us, but the second most interesting VR thing on the horizon uh, might just be Stranger Things VR, where you get to play as Vecna. I, I actually kind of like the twist of you're playing as Vecna. I think that's really interesting to put the game in his perspective, twisting the um the upside down at your whim. How How do you feel about that, actually? I'm just trying for some reason ever since I've uh ever since I, I skimmed the headline of you're playing as Vecna, all I've thought about was my child carrier comment from Pokemon Unite. It's just like, oh this this only gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> Gone from carrying children to burning them. <laughs> um my my concern with this is uh I I I, I think this game would be quite fun, but uh, one. If you ever, if you ever hear running up that hill, uh, are you? Do you just become powerless? And two. Uh, 
every ginger kid that you try and kill, uh, do they just get plot armor and you can never kill them? Or can you actually kill them in this game? I those are those are very broad and and at the same time specific questions. <laughs> are you saying you want to kill a specific ginger kid whose favorite <laughs> song is running up that hill? No, I'm saying I'm pretty sure we talked about this. Uh, I guess spoiler. Fuck, I've already spoiled it. Doesn't really matter. My the the bit that I. The, the bit that I, so, what what fucking grinds my gears, to quote the great P.T.A. Griffin, um, what grinds my gears the most is in particularly horror, that is the one that does it the worst, we see Vecna, so this is Stranger Things, later season of Stranger Things, we see Vecna kill quite a few people, and uh, in most of those cases we see Vecna kill them rather quickly. Uh, we have a maybe a couple minutes at most and up to a minute perhaps on the on the shorter end of things of uh invading their mind and then killing them in their in, in their like dream state uh we see that with the nerdy kid with glasses and the cheerleader um and then we get to someone like max and all of a sudden instead of the vecna uh in and out 20 minute adventure uh, ruthlessly efficient. It's this kid has plot armor. Better take extra long to build up before I kill this person. And so I, I need to chime in for a second. Me. I I feel like the um the cheerleader did take a little bit of time because we did have that whole like couple of minutes of Eddie freaking out while she starts floating and starts like it's it's building up the suspense of what's happening. Um. I think when it comes to um the the part that annoys you, I think we just need to we need to consider that for a, for that moment we're entering anime monologue time where they're they're monologuing and thinking to themselves in full sentences and only like point five of a second has passed. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean though. It's like I I really I really dislike it when it's so clear that media is treating a main character differently to other characters in a similar situation just because they're main characters. Yeah, yeah, I understand. It's, it's like one of the most like immersion-breaking things that you can do, and it felt like... I, I quite liked the, the latest season of Stranger Things, but it felt like in a couple of places, the Vecna-Max interactions were just, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. gonna get you. <laughs> I, I think it's just because we spend so long with Vecna as Max, like, in that pre-gotcha build-up that it feels like there's a lot of plot armor. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, you know, if it ever comes to mobile, you can just get a, a nice little pack of armor-piercing psychic bl- uh, bursts for $34,000. <laughs> uh, anyway, Stranger Things, launching in VR, uh, coming to all major VR platforms in winter 2023. Um, is this the Metaverse Killer? <laughs> no, but there is a Metaverse Killer on the loose. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> it came to me in a vision. It lasted all of a second, but I took my shot. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, uh... Did, did you so hang on I, I just did to make sure like are you talking about the next article yes or, I am 
Yeah, okay, cool. Um, so, be- beautifully segued by our very own editor. Um, uh, so, the old adage, if you die in virtual reality, you die in real life, uh, was finally, finally made true. Uh, because the inventor of VR, with all of his billions of dollars, um, decided that he really wanted a VR headset that would kill the user. And what's weird to me is that he has so much money, he could just pay someone to kill you if they saw that you died in-game. But instead, he built he, he built the headset with explosive charges in it. Yeah. Um, they're going for the full, like, Sword Art Online experience. It seems like they're a massive Sword Art Online fan. Um, and their wife is as well. So they're trying to get... They're like, I don't... I, I still don't know if this is serious or a joke. But... It's like it's gone into like they're taking it so seriously. I it seems like they're for real. Um, I'm pretty sure it's real. Yeah, no, I think the headset itself is real, but like the way the article is, uh, not the blog oh, post I is see. written. Like yep. the way they're going further and further into detail. I don't know as if it's real or parody, but it's like is towing that line of um of uh, uh kayfabe basically. Yeah. Um, my favorite yeah. quote from the um from the creator of the VR headset. Uh, well, I mean, he, he's also just kind of one of the fathers of VR in general as we know it. But uh, one of my favorite quotes from him, it might be in this blog post, I'm not sure, is uh, I have created half of Sword Art Online. I have the kill you if you die part down. We just need the really immersive virtual reality part now left. Yeah. My my favorite part is um they they're talking about how uh in Sword Art Online it's all done through microwaves and they've tried that but they can't manage to do it without like tons of heavy machinery all around the user. <laughs> I hate it when Sword Art Online isn't true to the source material. But no, there's there's some sweet moments interspliced in there, like talking about um how much him and his wife really appreciate Sword Art Online and like how much. Uh, Japan bought into VR because it kind of took off at the same time Sword Art Online was taking off. Yeah. So yeah. it was it was a very big movement over there. So there's some fun in- fun information in there, but he's also kind of monologuing like a Sword Art Online villain. And then you realize that I actually he's he's got like a few different job titles now. He's on like a couple boards and a couple consultant or advisory roles, but he's also got something tied up in the military. I think. That's probably VR, where he got the explosives which, from. Probably, but it's it's just it's just like a funny combo where it's like the father of VR, this thing that you know people uses as fun for video games and the metaverse and all this other stuff, and it's also like somehow wrapped up in the U.S. military. And you're like, okay, <laughs> all right, won't won't look too hard at that one. Actually, um, you know how I know he's 100% serious about this blog post? He ends up with saying, "See you in the metaverse." <laughs> He's trying to sell everyone on this and the metaverse. Man's actually going to kill himself just like metaverse. If you die in the metaverse, you die in real life. What if the metaverse is already dead in real life? <laughs> I, I've got some bad news for metaverse investors. <laughs> uh, right, well. Um, moving on. I was trying to think of if I could segue that. I could not. I, I uh, also tried to think of it and I'm like, no, I, I give up instantly. Yeah, yeah same. Uh, so, I didn't know enough about this. This is 
Doom Eternal's uh, music, effectively. Um, do, do you want to run through this one, Seth? It seems like you are way more across this one than I was. Yeah, so um, the I'll try to make this long story short. Um, Bethesda at E3, before Doom Eternal came out, announced a collector's edition and advertised a um a original soundtrack uh produced by and created by Mick Gordon. Um and when the collector's edition was a couple of months out from release, they had to delay it into the next month, uh, citing some issues with the OST was happening and they just have to delay delay it a little bit. And um yeah, they eventually released it. Um it was subpar compared to the Doom twenty 16 OST yeah yeah and a lot of people made complaints about it some people wanted refunds um there was a big stink about it and the director of the game I believe it was Marty came out and said on a big uh reddit post that um basically it was all Mick Gordon's fault he was being kind of a douche about it uh he wasn't meeting his milestones he wasn't delivering music on time um, he was being a big hassle to work with and they ended up having to do a lot of the music in-house rather than, uh, relying on him. He promised that they, he'd do 30 songs for them, but he only delivered 12 at, if even 12, um, basically making the entire situation and trying to bury Mick Gordon's professional career. Um, it's been about almost two years since that happened now, year and a half. Uh, Mick Gordon's uh, gotten every single receipt he can about the situation, and he's just come out and said, "No, look, they they lied. They're trying to uh, defame me. Um, I wasn't contracted to do the uh the soundtrack at all until like two months before the OST was supposed to come out. Um, while that was happening, I were I was already crunching for two years straight on doing the game's music itself." Um, they didn't contact me about doing the OST. They just put my name on it without informing me about it. Um, and they were already producing the music in-house without my knowledge well before the, um, before my contract to the OST started even. So he's, he's got receipts. He's got proof that they've just been trying to bury him and make him, uh, the villain of the situation. And it turned the entire fan base on its head because basically everyone was just kind of done with Mick Gordon saying, well, he's just kind of a cunt. Um, let him, let him suffer. And now everyone's kind of back on his side. Cool. <laughs> it is, it is a massive, massive shitty and messy situation. I'm glad that um, this is being cleared up because I really like Mick Gordon's music. He a big chunk of um why I liked Doom twenty sixteen was because of his music. Um, playing that game, uh, the music that he's produced just kind of puts you into like a trance and a zen state of <laughs> basically murder. There, um, there is, is the best way to describe it. There are some excellent. Uh, if if you're not uh, if you're not a hundred percent across what we're talking about with uh particularly the Doom twenty sixteen soundtrack, go into YouTube. After this episode, of, actually no, go onto YouTube after you listen to this and all the other FTL episodes, um, and then type in when the Doom music kicks in, and there are so many kind of templated media pieces that just run uh, 
there's basically about one or two, I think, Doom soundtracks over the top that just fit perfectly with, as you say, the idea of just sort of trancing up into murder. Yeah. It goes hard. Yeah. It goes hard. It it goes extremely hard. And like Doom's current uh, image is dripped in Mick Gordon's music. Like a lot of people di- didn't want a third game if he wasn't going to be part of the um the OST. While other people were like, ah, he's just a musician. Who gives a fuck? He was being a douchebag. Let them make a third game and just kick him off it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, messy situation. Um, really makes Bethesda look even worse than they usually do. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm glad he's been able to come out and clear his image. And this will probably actually go into courts for defamation. <laughs> yeah, uh, sad situation. But hopefully, hopefully the truth and uh, all of the what actually happened comes to light, and any wrongdoing is, oh, is held this, responsible. This is like hard evidence, like email, uh, dated emails, um, actual like proper Slack conversations. I'm I'm just... not doubting. I'm not doubting any of that. It's just yeah. I'm just sick of the news cycle recently. Of someone comes out and says this, and everyone goes, "Oh man, that's terrible," and then bandwagons before all the facts are out presented <laughs> and then go hmm actually maybe we jump to conclusions a bit quickly on that one uh we'll wait and see yeah yeah i i coughed so- a name i don't know how well that came through <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i actually coughed saying the name uh, just remember, you you can't claim any uh, insurance on any health conditions attached to that because they won't pay you. You you cannot get COVID through audio format. Yet. <laughs> anyway. Um, I'm working finally, on it. <laughs> Jesus. Finally, uh, we have uh, some Pokemon news, as you say, a game which is coming out in a week or just over a week. Yeah, eight days for us. Eight days. Just over a week away. Uh, crazy. Um, I guess, do you, you want to take these ones as well? Um, I guess. First up, we have a new Pokemon announced called um, Gimme Ghoul. This was the first announcement they did in the week. Uh, this is a pure ghost Pokemon, which is a little ant that collects coins and hides in treasure chests if you try to catch it. It's going to be appearing in Scarlet and Violet and also currently in Pokemon Go at the moment. Uh, you can't catch it in Pokemon Go. It just kind of follows you around with a little coin over its head. Man, they're really stretching these monetization strategies, huh? <laughs> Gimme <Give me> money. <laughs> it, it's just it's just their way of go- begging you to give them more money. Yeah. Um, from what I understand, um, in uh, Pokemon uh, Scarlet and Violet, you can only catch it in the chest while connecting the games together gives you a gimme goal by itself, like without the treasure chest in Pokemon Go, but there's no way to transfer it between the games, like to get the roaming form into Scarlet and Violet, which is kind of weird. It is weird, but it's also not surprising at all. Yeah, not surprising, just weird. And then onto the bigger one, um... They released a massive trailer for Scarlet and Violets this morning? No, no, a couple of days ago. Um, it, it was backed by an Ed Sheeran song. Um, 
which featured voice acting. So therefore, Pokemon, what are you doing? Yeah, it did feature voice acting as well. Um, they, they showed off a couple of new Pokemon in there that are starting to confirm leaks that are coming out. Um, they showed, oh god, Donphan, I think it is, from Gen 2. Uh, let me, let me double check that. Yeah, Donphan. They showed two new, like, regional variants of Donphan. One seems to be, uh, Scarlet Exclusive, where it's more prehistoric looking, and one's Violet Exclusive, where it's, uh, futuristic, roboticized looking. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. They also showed off more raid battles that are going to be post-game stuff. They announced some more post-game stuff. They also announced a fucking Charizard promotional event, because Jesus Christ, they will not stop shoving Charizard down everyone's throats. Can, can we just... Okay, take a step back. Regardless of how people feel about Charizard, or whether it's the best put, like best of the, the, the starters, or the worst of the starters, whatever, just from like an evolutionary perspective, what do you think there are more of, just in a particular environment? A sentient, a sentient onion that just eats grass, a turtle, or a fire lizard where if the fire on its tail goes out, it dies. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to go with the turtle with water cannons sticking out of its um, sticking out of its shoulders. I feel like some of them may have put out the fires on Charizard tails as a joke. <laughs> It's a joke. Bro, it's just a... Oh. <laughs> You'll get better. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, uh, Venusaur, I'm going to need you to absorb the water out of that. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, it was set on fire beforehand. <laughs> but what's even worse is that this promo Charizard is changing its typing to dragon type because of the way the new terrestrialized gimmick works. So they're just trying to get Charizard to be a dragon again for the new generation. They do this every generation. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> uh, but no, this was a really good trailer. It makes the game look a lot of fun again. They also show the Scarlet Legendary with wheels on its design, like, for sure. But no, it's still running. At this point, I, I I appreciate the commitment to it. Just Flintstones running everywhere. <laughs> uh, the wheels are for show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which you know, maybe maybe it'll rock up in Need for Speed Unbound as part of the modifications. You know, that that reminds me. There's a mod in Mario Kart where um people mod one of the cars to just be Sonic running. <laughs> and they mod one of the characters to be invisible, so you're just playing as Sonic running through the racetracks. It's actually fantastic. That's that's really clever, actually. I really like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no. Uh, the big things, the big things from this trailer were the Don fan reveals, and those leaks recently. So it's confirming some leaks. If you don't want to get spoiled on the, spoiled on the game, avoid them at all cost, yeah, like I have know. been. You only have a week left to need to worry about spoilers. Then you can play it, and then spoilers are fair game again. Uh, do you have anything more to add? Uh, God, fuck Charizard. Like, please, <laughs> please ramp up any other Pokemon. Do you think Leon gets first dibs on every Charizard court in Paldea? 
Do you think they allow immigrant Charizards into Galar? <laughs> Just off the back of you talk about how racist I may or may not be, I'm not touching that. <laughs> We're going to move swiftly along. Uh, that comes to the end of the news for this week. Uh, thank Patrick you, believes Seth. in co- I... uh, colonialization. Uh, colonialization. <laughs> colonization, that's the word. <laughs> um, so we have an audience question for this week. Uh, Steve writes in and asks, when is Steve allowed back on? Uh, next week. Steve, it's been five weeks. The accident happened five weeks ago. You have to let go. (laughs) You have to wake up, Steve. (laughs) Take the toaster out of the bathtub. It's not worth it. (laughs) Soggy (laughs) toast is not the way forward. It's not a toaster, it's a rice cooker. (laughs) The cursed one. Do you think... I think that's the only one in his house. Bro, do you think do you think if Gimme Girl was poor enough it would haunt a rice cooker instead of a treasure chest? Yes. Instead of gold it's just hoarding rice. <laughs> and it tries to make you pay for it, and then it, that's how it gets its gold back. <laughs> Please, sir, more food. That actually sounds like a cursed existence. Um, yeah. I, I I don't have a better audience question for this week. I just wanted something dumb in there. Um Steve should be back next week. Um, Josh may or may not be back next week. Depends on whether Clown College, uh, you know, needs him. The classic game was to- too tight. Seth <laughs> talked about this before the podcast. Wait, you, you said not to say it at the beginning of the podcast. It is not the beginning. <laughs> it is in fact the complete opposite of the beginning of the podcast. I mean, when you're right, you're right. But I fucking hate that you're right on this one. Huh. <sighs> Oh well. Uh, I also think that more of the some of the more genuine uh, audience questions are ones that I slipped in towards the end of the 80-minute. Um, uh, I wouldn't say 20th Century Fox, 20th anniversary for uh, Ratchet and Clank. So uh, feel free to wind back a few minutes and listen through some of those because I I think it was genuinely interesting. Um, what were they? Yeah. What What are the the games that people are going to talk about 20 years from now, and what? does the future hold for Jack and Sly? Uh, right. Uh, this brings us to the end of episode 49. Anything you want to tease for next week, Seth? Um, I, I've been playing so many things. I think I'm going to have to make an order and a list of my own of when I will touch on specific games. I will begin with Bayonetta 3. Uh, I, I finished that like two weeks ago. I've been itching to talk about it, and it's just not been a good format to talk about it since yeah, the no. guest episode. I, yeah. Uh, for for people wondering about why the formatting swapped up so much these past few few episodes, I don't think the standard format that we do would work particularly well with two people. So I've been trying especially to... in the case of Bayonetta Free, where it's just me talking at Patrick about the game, yeah, rather so than I, with Patrick. I've I've been trying to, to test out a few other things. So um, if you like the new format, great. Let us know. If you hate the new format, let us know anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it should be back to to the the FTL that you all know and love when Steve is back from next week. Um, what have I been up to? I've finished. You'll be the able quarry. to talk about the PS5. I I will. Yeah, I I finished the quarry on PS5, playing it on someone else's PS5. Uh. And hopefully I'll have made a start on one or both of uh, Ragnarok and uh, Rift Apart. 
I I'm very excited for Rift Apart. If um if next week turns out to just be you talking about the quarry, maybe I can squeeze in Ratchet and Clank real quick before the next recording after that. <laughs> but we'll see. But I hope I can. Mm. Uh. Anyway. Uh. Until such time as we hit the big milestone fifty, the old the old half century. Uh. I've been Patrick. You have been. I've been Seth. Uh, there we go. Fuck, okay, you have to trim the, the gap out. We discussed I'm also this. gonna have we, to trim we, that we out. We discussed this. Yeah, yeah, we will. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I blanked. I blanked for a moment. No lie. <laughs> You're like, am like I, I Josh? heard you say I've been. I, I I heard you say I've been Patrick, and then my mind was just an ocean breeze. <laughs> <laughs> Inside Homer's mind, the the symbol monkey clapping yeah. in the backflip. Um, but. It's oh, like good. um, it's like when Ned Flanders is talking at Homer, and his brain just goes, "You can stay here, but I'm out of here." <laughs> and, leans, and Homer just collapses. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm actually going to have to keep all of that in. <laughs> well, while Seth is busy keeping all of the absolute shit show that the last couple minutes of this episode has been, uh, you've been listening to FTL episode forty nine. And we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Happy coming home from America, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs>